Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Fengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, we've had a few changes in the last couple of days. Actually, a lot of them yesterday. So uh, we're, in a, we're in a huge transition here at Action Radio. And so a lot of reporters, we've kind of finished up what they wanted to do. You know, they've said their bit and they've accomplished what they wanted to and are moving on to other things, uh, which is fine. You know, one of the ones is, and this just happened, I think, about three weeks ago, maybe now, our World's Greatest Doctors panel. We did 18 weeks with the most incredible people. And I can't believe I got all the time we had because originally I was thinking, you know, one, maybe two episodes uh, with Dr. Judy Mikovits, Brian Artist, um, Ben Marble earlier on in the show, Jim Thorpe, uh, data expert John Cullen. I mean, it was just a fabulous panel. Other folks that dropped in, Dr. Molly James, Dr. Angie Farella, um, Dr. Christian Northrup, uh, just amazing people that would, would come by the show. And, and then we had like Brandon House from uh, Lindell TV. And let me see who else. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, CO2 Coalition. We sort of contrasted uh, carbon dioxide uh, lies, you know, with COVID lies. And the same lies. It's really kind of interesting. So just, just incredible people drop by the show. It was amazing to do that. But, you know, as things happen, the doctors got busy. They're doing their own thing. And uh, Dr. Mikevitz especially is taking our legislation, our uh, vaccine product liability bill, and our uh, Section 230, you know, eliminate big tech censorship bill and taking those out. And that's pretty cool. So that's, that's a wonderful thing that's happening. Um, today, you know, I'm just waiting for Bill to check in with us now. Uh, and he's the, only, he's the only reporter we have. You know, Wendy's not feeling well. And our, our wild women of wine, weed, and wellness, uh, Wednesday, <laughs> all of my W's, uh, have a new business to run. So, so they've taken off, too. Uh, that, and Captain Tom Stewart, who was on for, I think, maybe a couple of months. Unbelievable. It was amazing to have Captain Tom, again, as long as we did. So I don't regret any of this. Um, I, and, and I have nothing but uh, you know, the best of wishes for people. Nobody's left me hanging. No one's left us stuck here. I always have tons of material to talk about. So that's, that's never an issue. And this really is a place where you can you know, come and go and, and, and try out stuff and uh, you know, experiment and do some things that you can't do on regular radio. Because I'm pretty open because of all the things I was told that I couldn't do on regular radio. And so that's how that works. So assuming all is well, and, and Bill, let me see, I'll, I'll, let me check my messages here. Because he usually calls in right away. And so, you know, stuff happens. Maybe he's caught in traffic. Maybe he's, who knows what's going on. So let's see if I get a, uh, a Bill. Okay, so Bill's going to check in just a couple minutes. Okay, that's good. That's, that's normal. So let me just get the announcements out. Um, and right now we're open. <laughs> the biggest thing is I'm open for new reports. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Angie Farella is going to have a report here pretty soon. Uh, we've got um, Heather Strickland, who has a new book, uh, Rebel Keto. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, being rebellious as a dieter. Uh, she's got a new book coming out today. And so that's going to take uh, so up her time. Uh, but we've got to, uh, just a lot of gaps, a lot of things open. And so Bill, who's now here, maybe he has some ideas and suggestions. But I'm going to have plenty of time to talk about the issues. See, a month ago, I was worried. I didn't have any time to talk about the issues because I had so many guests and so many reporters. And now we have exactly the opposite. I've got nothing but time to talk. And so I want to fill it in with other things. All right, let's get to Bill. On tight, Action Radio presents the Fecky Report.
Good morning, Action Radio Land. We are less than one month away from the November elections. Early uh, mail-in voting has already gone out, and we are only about a week away from early voting starting. So, Mm. Greg, we have all sorts of things going on. We have races across the country that are neck and neck. Mm-hmm. And and right right now it looks like it go either direction. It could be uh, a big win for the Republicans. It could be a big win for the Democrats, or it could end up being uh, holding holding still and uh, keeping exactly where we are right now. Uh, yeah. So it's I'm just sorry very, that very uh, it's very interesting. But I'm just sorry that our only choices are between Democrats and Republicans. I want more choices. <laughs> you know, I want independents. I want uh, you know, but the independents aren't viable, and because we're such a such a by whatever it's called, the uh, bipartisan or whatever, whatever the word is, well, you know, two-party system uh, that really eliminates, because they maintain the two-party system and we don't get a lot of other candidates. So the choices really were made before the primaries. And it really comes down to who runs in the primaries. And once the primaries are done, we have the choice of, you know, what they think is the best Republican versus what they think is the best Democrat. And quite honestly, a lot of times, none of the above, you know, would be the best answer. Um, so that's, you know, where I stand there. I, I, want, I want more choices. But since I don't have more choices, I'm kind of stuck with the choices I have. Uh, why don't you tell me the races that have, uh, have piqued your interest, intrigued your curiosity, or otherwise stimulated your political uh, sensibilities? What's, what's going on? Oh, I like that. I should repeat well, that I, sometime. That I, good. I, am, I am glad how you mm-hmm. uh, introduced this uh, section because that's exactly the first thing I'm going to talk about today is more choices. Oh, my and God. We're, we're sick. A, we got a connection. Bill, <laughs> we're, we're, we have a mind meld. <laughs> In Alaska, we uh-huh. have more choices. There, uh-huh. um, in the primary, it, you know, um, they had a primary, of course, but uh, uh-huh. in the general election, there are three Republicans running and one Democrat running in the general election. And that all comes down to the fact that they're, uh, in Alaska you have the uh, ranked voting. Um, Which is a stupid so, system, but it's produced an interesting result. It has, and you know, even though right now the Trump-backed candidate Tishkati, Tishkati um, is leading Murkowski, okay, uh-huh. uh, by a couple points, most likely Murkowski will wind up winning that because of the of this ranked system, and this is yeah. the system that dad put that her dad put into place a long time ago. Yeah, to keep uh, her in. To, to keep, <laughs> to keep her in. Rhino. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's, it's, it's the Rhino reform. You know, and they said the Democrats fix all the elections. Not in Alaska. No, this is a, this is definitely a, a, a fixing. This is a way that Republicans exclude real Republicans from from getting an office like Sarah Palin. So that's I got a problem with it. You know, waited. Oh please, give me a break. That's like open primaries. Yeah. Where Democrats can vote in Republican yeah. primaries. Well, that's not a primary. That's a general election by a different name. Correct. And, and Murkowski, even though she mm-hmm. is a. Uh, registered Republican, ran as a Republican, has won as a Republican. Uh, Governor uh, GovTrack.com um, kind of tracks everybody's the way they vote and kind of ranks mm-hmm. them accordingly. Murkowski is actually ranked further left than Democrat Mansion from West Virginia. Oh, I would say a, a, a good uh, ten to twelve senators would be ranked left of. Uh, of, of Joe Manchin and uh, and uh, Christian Cinema, you know the same kind of thing. So that's where the parties get blurry. It's really interesting. 
that, uh, you know, and of course we have to talk about Tulsi Gabbard, the, what just happened uh, yesterday. That's, that's quite fascinating too. But yeah, you, you can't stick by the labels because, you know, the, the, the really bad rhinos, the Susan Collins, the Lynn Cheney, Liz Cheney's, the, I forgot the other guy's name that cries a lot. Um, and you've got the other, Mitt Romney, you know, they're not Republicans. They are there for the sole purpose of, of destroying, you know, America first Republicans. That's their job. That's why Mitt Romney was Correct. the only moderate who could, who could beat Barack Obama. You know, John McCain was the only moderate, you know, who could beat Barack Obama. And, and Jeb Bush was the only moderate who could beat Hillary Clinton. I mean, that was the way it was supposed to go. They're all supposed to lose. Well, yeah, and, and you know, the, Republic, you know, the um, establishment inside the Republican Party has said over and over again that, the, uh, that Trump candidates are toxic and they can't win in the general election. <laughs> but, yet, but yet here we are at the very first race that we're talking about in mm-hmm. Alaska – and you've got a Trump guy leading over dem- over Democrat and over an establishment Republican. So it and is very that? possible that this, uh, Kelly Tishkati, Tishkata. I, I think it's like shiitake. I think it's like Japanese cuisine. Shiitake. How it's pronounced. Okay, shiitake. Okay. It's something like that. You know, I know it's close yeah, to food, like so that. that's yeah. how I remember it. You know, okay. Yeah, the 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 T the T S fact it is T S H I B A K A. Yeah. Her. She's good. She's got good yeah. stance. She's America first. She's, you know, she's a patriot. She's not a uh, transgender Democrat. No, she's not. Um, and, and so that's, and that's really good. Now, I want to yeah. shift gears here, come further south down to Colorado. Um, okay. Colorado has turned totally Democrat. But this kind of gives you an idea of what we're dealing with here, these next two uh, I, that we want to discuss here. Colorado sent out 30,000 um ballots to non-citizens you mean illegals who are not re- illegals yes <laughs> yeah, uh, who, yeah well, well are they illegally in the country it, it, or... could be, it could be it could be people who don't even who are not registered in the state of colorado also so right, so give me the act on this because this, this does make a difference whether they sent out to permanent residents you know green card holders which can't vote I know because I, I couldn't vote when I had a green card right. uh, until I became a citizen. Um, that was at 21, so I could vote at 18, but I couldn't vote at 18 because I wasn't a citizen. And, and that was in New England too. They actually honored the law there for a while. I don't know what they do now. But is it who they exactly did they send these 30,000 ballots out to, and why did they do it? Okay. And who did it? So, yes. Yeah, so, well, um, obviously the supervisor of elections did it. Uh, they did mm-hmm. not specify uh, if it was all illegal, part illegal. Uh, they just grouped it all together. Um, when they group it all together like that, I'm assuming that most of it is probably illegal. Uh, but then you also had some that were uh, not registered citizens in the state mm-hmm. of Colorado. Uh, so maybe they just moved there recently, but they have not changed their voter registration over. Uh, okay. So that well, gives them the possibility of voting then. in uh, twice. Uh, yep. Which, you know, it, it, that wouldn't be the first time that someone from Colorado has voted twice. Uh, back in, I think it was 2016, there was a well-documented person who went on the news said, yeah, I voted in Ohio in the morning, and I flew to Colorado and voted for Hillary in the afternoon. Um, oh, so, sure. Now, that would yeah, be so, a majority, I mean, but a lot of people, if they're mailed ballots, like California mails you a ballot wherever you are, the idea that California yeah. would mail ballots out of state that aren't you know, bona fide absentee ballots, they're just mailing anybody on the, the voter rolls out of state, you know, ballots. That's, that's, you know, that election should be voided, whoever it is. The whole, all the California votes should be taken out because you can't trust it. Once it's, once it's tainted, I mean, they throw out searches when they're tainted. They throw out evidence when it's tainted. You know, you have to throw out an, an entire uh, state or county if the ballots are tainted. If you can't ascertain which ones are the real ones and which ones are the, the fraud, then you've you got to throw it all out. 
And they don't. Correct. And and then uh, the Supreme Court uh, just uh, did a ruling this week in Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be uh, really telling what's going to happen going forward here, especially, mm-hmm. especially in Pennsylvania itself. The Supreme Court ruled 6-3 in favor of a Republican judge. First of all, I have a problem with the fact that they, uh, the judge is labeled Republican because uh, most judge races should be nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I, I have a problem with that. To well, that was done with. for a reason. That was done for a reason. Well, of course it was. Of course yeah. it was. Um, but what it was is that uh, he was ch- the judge was challenging the fact that there was 270 270- – uh, where are my numbers here? 257 ballots that did not have the date on the ballot. And according hmm. to Pennsylvania law, you must have your the date uh, that you mailed the ballot in must be on the ballot itself. That Wasn't is a it, law. Um, post office stamped or no? I mean, post office stamps everything with the date. Well, they do, but a... it, um, the, the Pennsylvania law is very specific that the uh-huh. ballot itself must have the date on it. Okay, well that makes sense. So, so it's not posted. Okay, so, so it's, it's not an, an no. after the election ballot that got snuck in and counted in a recount or something well, like that. Well, that's well. See, he only lost by five votes. Oh Jesus! <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So those those absentee ballots, you know, he challenged it. The uh, Third Circuit Court out of Philadelphia, which is very liberal, um, said that it um, the date matter. Of course, as hmm. we know from Pennsylvania and many other states. They don't care about dates as long as they count ballots in favor of their own people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that when that ruling was made, uh, of course the liberals are jumping up and down, saying you know praising the court system. But now that the Supreme Court says no, the law of the land, the law of Pennsylvania states you must have a ballot, so those ballots must be thrown out. Now mm-hmm. the far leftists are losing their absolute mind uh, once again, saying the Supreme <laughs> Court sh- should be thrown out and that judges shouldn't be involved with this, and that this is a violation of uh, the Civil Rights Act. And that's where they're going with this whole thing. That's the violation of the Civil Rights Act, uh, which does state that the vote didn't any go irrelevant – basically, yeah. But uh, yeah. the Civil Rights Act uh, does cover the whole ballot uh, in voting, saying that you can't uh, throw a ballot out based on immaterial – uh, and immaterial would be like race, gender, uh, color, that sort of thing. Well, it thing. shouldn't be on the ballot uh, anyway. You know, if, if, we, if we want to get past the racism, you know, in government, then we, there shouldn't be racial classifications on your ballot. You know, they, they just have your name. Well, no, and, but, uh, well, the, well, it was part of the Civil Rights Act, which started off the whole thing, uh, you know, in the South when they were uh, banning black people from voting to begin with. So that's why I got thrown in. And so now, of course, liberals. Democrats doing what they do uh, yeah. is trying to expand expand it further out to make sure that their guy gets in as a judge instead of the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what this is all about. But with that being said, uh, we have an issue down in South Florida with Hurricane Ian that has totally leveled a heavy Republican area, uh, mm. Fort Myers and whatnot. Um, and they're going to have to start relying on mail-in ballots and trying to get ballots to people. Um, you know, the state of Florida did a great job during, uh, after Hurricane Michael hit Panama City a few years ago where they um, uh, set up kind of a, a tent for people to go vote in. So we'll probably end up seeing the same thing down at Fort Myers if those people are even there. 
um, and that's always the biggest problem in itself. Have people still is, evacuated? Are they still clear? Are they, have they not gone back to the area because the, the roads are still all sand, or what's going on? I mean, I've seen some pretty well, horrendous pictures you know, from down there. Oh, yeah. Governor DeSantis has done a great job. He actually got a bridge built uh, out mm-hmm. to Sanibel Island within the within a week. Wow. Uh, normal government can't do that within 10 years. <laughs> so he, well, yeah, he but he's not normal government. A, you know, this is this is a this is a huge thing for him. It is. And so he's done a great job, um, you know, as far as that goes. And I'm mm-hmm. expecting the people who are still in Florida to vote. Um it would be interesting to see how many we do get uh, in Florida, it, you know, down in that area, uh, counted votes. But once again, if we start talking about mail-in voting, who, you know, who knows what's going to happen as far as that goes. Well, uh, thank, uh, thank goodness it is a Republican area with a Republican supervisor of election. Uh, yeah. So we should see less corruption than we normally would. But it's also a it's a it's a midterm. It's not a presidential race, so it's not a national election. Uh, it's statewide for senators, but I think the only senator is, is the only senator running for Florida is Rubio. I think Rick Scott's still in the middle of his term. So we're talking one Correct. one Senate race, and as far as the House races, those are all congressional districts. So whatever congressional district is represented, I think that's Brian Donald or Donalds. I'm not sure how to pronounce or Byron. Yes, Byron Donalds. Uh, but okay, know, so but, we have a very but he's really popular. He's really popular, so I don't think he'll have trouble yeah. getting reelected. Um, but, but, but we um, have a governor race that's going to rely mm-hmm. on a Republican area to carry. Uh, right now, obviously, DeSantis has a ten-point lead. Um, right. If you take out, if you take out every single vote though from that area, it gets really, really close. Um, so mm-hmm. you know he needs those voters to vote. What do they um, postpone in case of emergency? What, what are the provisions or something like that? Or can those people vote late? you know, like a week or two later or something? Or, I mean, I'm sure there are provisions for an emergency like this. Um, I I don't know the exact provisions, but with it being so far out still, um, yeah. I think it's the duty of the state to uh, really accommodate them at this point, uh, uh-huh. even though I'm sure this is the last thing that they're thinking of. Um, you know, mm, they're more well, no, I, no, this, is, this is actually really key. No, I think getting absentee ballots to the, the residents of Fort Myers is critical. And I'm not, I'm not a big no, I'm, I'm talking about fan. The, but... I'm talking about the voters themselves. The voters right. themselves but... are probably more concerned about getting back in their house than voting, yeah. uh, you know, in the election, um, unless they're really passionate voters and they and they always find a way to vote one way or another. Yeah, they'll they'll drag themselves across broken glass to vote. <laughs> I know people like that. I'm one of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, a very interesting article uh, that came uh-huh. out today. Um, FloridaPolitics.com, which is a far-left uh, website, uh, online newspaper, or whatever you want to call it, but it's basically a pay-for-play. If you're if you're a Republican, you got pay-to-play to get onto that site to get any mm-hmm. advertisement at all. Otherwise, they don't uh, push you at all. But it's usually far left. We should do more liberal reporting. You know, I think it'd be kind of interesting. I'm trying to get more liberals on the show just because I want to talk to them. But uh, yeah, what did you find? So they came out and said that. Uh, Real, real clear politics mm-hmm. um, is one of the best polling sites um, out there, and that hmm. they actually came up. They did a study over the last ten years of polls and results, and found out polls favored Democrats by five point nine points. 
Well, yeah, because they ask more Democrats in the polls than Republicans. Oh, the, the liberal polling agencies will poll, you know, 65% uh, Democrat, you know, 45% Republican and, and call it a fair poll. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Right. So if you take that into consideration, you're talking about a landslide in the Senate, a landslide in the House, based upon the numbers we're about to go over right here uh, oh, for yeah. Republicans. Well, uh, but that makes sense, though, because... First of all, we know Brandon stole the election, but even people that don't know that, nobody would vote for And here's the weird thing, too. Brandon said he was going to do that. He said he was going to cut the oil pipeline. He said he was going to get rid of the wall. He said he was going to uh, you know, spend like crazy. So there's no surprises for me. So these people that say, well, he was going to be a moderate, and he was going to bring the country together, I don't know where the hell they got that from because I never heard that message at all. Uh, so I think they're making it up. But, nothing, but this is all expected. Everything he's doing is expected. We all knew he was going to do it. And people who knew he was going to do it knew that, uh, you know, the, the, where we are now, they're, they never want those policies anyway. So there's a lot of Democrats that don't want to pay high gas, a lot of Democrats that don't want to have their, uh, their kids lose a job to an illegal. They don't want to have their family members killed by an illegal. They don't want to have no foreign policy. They don't want to have rampant inflation. They don't want to have all the things we have now because nobody, nobody would vote for these policies except a few, a small percentage of Marxists, what, 10 Maybe 15 percent of the country actually favors what's going on because they're like, yeah, bring it down, man. Let's get, yeah, Marxism. Let's go. We'll, 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 you know, power of the people. No, give me a break. But anyway, so who would actually vote for this? I mean, it's, the 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 big question to me is not whether Republicans are going to win in, in November. I think they are. They're going to win in a huge landslide. So I agree with you. The poll makes sense. My problem with Republicans is what they're going to do with the victory. Are they going to give it away? Are they going to put McCarthy in, who's going to be the new Paul Ryan? Are they going to say, well, we can't do anything because, you know, Brandon's still in the White House, so we, well, we'll come back and we'll get him next time, you know, come back in two years. So vote for us and, and donate money. That's my big fear with Republicans. Bill? Well, yeah, and, and, looking at, and looking at the guys who are in this race right now, now the Republicans have pulled out of New Hampshire. They're down by mm-hmm. 17 points there. They're not going to do anything there. So New Hampshire is still locked in for the Democrats. But now you have uh, Vance who, uh, in Ohio. Vance, um, I, I reported last week. This this uh, mm-hmm. so this week, uh, the Republican Vance is up by three points over Ryan. Um, and then if you take the five point nine in consideration, Vance has a pretty big lead. Uh, in Wisconsin, uh, Johnson has a two point lead over Barnes, um, which is pretty good. But then you got uh, the Dem- uh, Democrat who is leading the governor race by 1.5 points. Uh, so that's, I, I always find that interesting how in the Senate race you have one party leading, but then in the governor race the other party's leading. It, it, I, I always find it kind of interesting. Well, how much is personality but, and how much is party? I mean, are people still loyal to party as much as they used to be, or, is it, or are they more loyal to personality? I think of the switch. I think a switch used to be if you're a Democrat, if you're in a union, you voted Democrat. Come hell or high water. It didn't matter who was on the Democrat ticket. You were a Democrat. That's how you voted. Or if you were from a good old party of good old family, good old, you know, Republican GOP, grand old party people, you'd vote Republican. That's American. Vote for Republican. I, I, I don't think that's, it's that way anymore. I don't think the kids, you know, the younger voters are, have the allegiance to party like, like their parents and grandparents, especially their grandparents did. Well, definitely not the younger ones. They're more influenced on celebrity status, obviously. Um, mm. And more of them are independent because of that. Um, mm. You know, so I mean, and so the independent votes can be really interesting. You know, some of them uh, want to be independent just because they like the stigma of being independent, but they're really 
Democrat well, or Republican. It's not a stigma, but, it, but it's a, I think a lot of people, because they don't like the two-party system. Now, if I understand it right, as far as party registration goes, uh, the independents, the ones that have not registered Democrat or Republican, is larger than the combination of Democrats and Republicans. Isn't it? Correct. So that, that is, is the largest part. So, so, so it's the largest party. Uh, but, yeah. But they're not organized. Yeah, it's like a large party, but the majority of them don't vote to begin with. Oh, that's interesting. So they're lazy independents. Yeah, they're independent of the political system. They're not just independent of parties. They're independent of the whole thing. So, yeah. So, you know, and so Wisconsin's going to be one to watch. And then Arizona, uh, you got Lake and Hobbs at the governor race, uh, which is now dead even, uh, where Lake it. has been kind of yeah, I mean, to me, it just seems like Lake should be way ahead at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But then you got the Demo- Democrat Kelly, who's leading by seven points over Masters on the Senate side. I don't believe that um, either. Not after that last yeah, debate. Tr- that doesn't make sense. Yeah, tr- yeah. well, this was be- actually before the debate. They haven't done a new poll. Uh, mm-hmm. This poll was done um, right after we talked last week, so I think it was last mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. So it should be kind of interesting. Uh, you still have... Warnick ahead of Walker in most of the polls, uh, same as last week, up by four. But Walker is either. still leading. Yeah, I don't yeah. either because, like I said last week, Walker is ahead mm-hmm. in the Atlanta Constitution poll, which is the newspaper, oh. which is definitely okay. far left. He's ahead by four points in Atlanta. So if he's ahead of four points in Atlanta, he should be ahead at least by one or two points overall. Um, well, but, you know, the- you got Kemp – I was just thinking of a question. You know, we know the Democrats stole the election, and we know the Republicans let them. So if a party is willing to steal an election, why wouldn't they fudge the the poll results for the same purpose? I mean, it it seems to me it's all part of the same system, that the polls really are meaningless. The really good ones are the internal polls of the candidates themselves. We're not going to get to see those because those are the internal polls. So why would they do internal polls if the external polls were accurate? So the fact that they do internal polls kind of proves that, these public polls are not accurate at all. They are designed for a particular purpose, which, depending on who's sponsoring it, is to influence the vote. If they're not designed to report where people stand at any one time. And it doesn't matter where people stand before the election. You know, you either like a candidate or you don't. Right. So the whole idea of polls is, is kind of crazy to me just because, just because all it can do is sway people who want to be, you know, with the winner. So you declare somebody the winner who may not be the winner. People vote for the winner thinking that they're the winner because they want to be with the winner, and the loser wins. <laughs> That's no good. Well, well that- well, that's why I led with the story about the 5.9 swing, uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, when I mentioned these numbers, so you mentioned Vance at three points, so it should be eight points. Johnson, yeah. two points, should be seven points. She's losing by two points. Uh, you know, and then you got Kemp, um, which I was kind of surprised to see this one. Kemp is up by six over Abrams. Uh, because everything well, that's that you, not, I, it's because Abrams is terrible. Nobody wants her as governor. Well, she she is terrible. I mean, she's beyond terrible. But uh-huh. everything that you you I mean, it's just the propaganda that has been built up so much. I thought that the poll would be a little bit closer, but I guess people just aren't buying the propaganda. Well, they remember her last time. So that's, you know, they, they don't want her as governor. Oh, yeah. They don't want to be yeah, a, a slave terrible. to the Democrat Party. You know, they don't they don't they don't want Chicago and Atlanta. They're close enough right now. I'll say they're close enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. So but here's the, uh, of course, here's the interesting question. Okay. Uh, I want to get to Tulsi Gabbard before you go, so I'll make sure to, to get that in. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz has cut the on the two points. Uh, so really he's probably ahead by three points at this point. Um, so this is a good one. And uh, the state of Washington, liberal Washington, 
mm-hmm. Murray has had as high as a 13-point lead. He's a Democrat. But Smiley has actually cut it down to two points. Um, so th- this is kind of interesting to see this uh, state of Washington unfold and Nevada. Nevada's governor race, it's a one-point advantage right now for the Democrats. So that, that's going to be kind of interesting in itself. How is this even possible? You know, the Democrats, what they, I mean, you figure you've got Trump versus Brandon. You've got polar opposites because Brandon basically reversed illegally, of course, everything that Trump did. So you're either for or against high gas prices. You're either for or against plentiful energy supplies. You're either for or against a border wall and illegal aliens. You're either for or against a, a good foreign policy. You're either for or against, you know, nuclear missiles being shot from North Korea. There's no, how can these things be that close when these issues are so diametrically opposed? That because, make sense you have, because you have a mental illness that is called liberalism that truly, truly believes that everything is happening right now because of Donald Trump and nothing is Biden's fault, that Biden is fixing all the problems and everything that is happening right now is because of Donald Trump. They, they believe it in all their hearts. They believe that yeah. the Republican Party is causing all of this. I mean, hell, there, there was a, uh, I did the, the poll a couple of weeks ago where mm-hmm. I think it was like 20% thought that DeSantis was responsible for the gas prices being higher. I mean, he has nothing to do with gas prices being higher. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. So but, but, so but this doesn't, doesn't make sense, me. though, because geez, weren't they, weren't they awake? Yeah, but, but weren't yeah, they no, awake in the Trump administration? No, I mean, they're, they, they're, they're just – liberalism is dumb. Both sides okay. of the extreme, the Republican mm-hmm. extreme, the Democrat extreme, are dumb. Mm. <laughs> okay, they are dumb. Okay. Dumb. Well, that I, I'm sense. not afraid to say it, and they, both sides can come after me if they want, but both sides need to wake up that extremism is not the way that you get this country fixed. Yeah, but, uh, the, but, but the, the middle isn't again. the way either. You know, I mean, I'm a Goldwater fan. You know, uh, what, what did he say? Extremism, you know, is no vice. You know, if it's, if, I forgot what the quote is, but it's something like, you know, uh, and, and moderation is no virtue, you know, by itself. Let me get the quote up because it's really good. But the fact that it's, uh, the moderation, being in the center is not a virtuous position. But if you're between, you know, and there's nothing wrong with a strong position if that strong position is what's required. You know, what are you, moderate on energy prices? Well, I don't want them too high or too low. I, I want my prices in the middle. Okay, three fifty. You know, I mean, between dollar eighty five and, and four fifty. You know, what, what, or five dollars. What's your middle? I mean, that doesn't make sense. The, you know, the, everybody thinks centrist is good or bipartisan is good. That just means the the generic middle, but that's not necessarily a position. No, well, I mean, you you do have a position. Like what I mean by extremism, I'm talking about these people who are just blind to the normal facts. You know, liberalism is a. I mean, the far left has just gone off the deep end. Uh, and that's why Tulsi Gabbard has left. She has left the, you know, she claims she's leaving the Democrat Party. I don't, I don't see her actually unregistering as a Democrat. She may say this out loud, but how many people have said they left the Demo- Democrat or Republican Party but are still registered in that party? Um, the one thing I don't want to see, and I'm really getting sick and tired of these quote-unquote conservatives – who are just drooling over her because at the end of the day, she is still a leftist. Okay. She believes in abortion. She believes in gun control. She believes in socialism. I mean, she is not, I don't want to see her in this Republican party. I don't want to see her at CPAC anymore. And I don't want to see her at Fox news. 
Um, okay. Which I don't anyway, because I don't watch Fox. See, I do like her, though. Um, I, I, and I haven't heard her extreme views. I haven't heard her abortion views and things like that. But abortion is such a huge range. There's like those that say, you know, like immediately, like a morning after pill, as opposed to, you know, five minutes before birth. I mean, there's such a range in there. You know, abortion is abortion. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people see shades of uh, big differences, you know, between that. Uh, I don't know her welfare stance. I'd be curious to see, you know, how much government, you know, she wants in her solutions. But I did find something really interesting just before you go. Uh, this is the New York Post. I'm going to go over this article later. It says, Gabbard did not say in her message, this is a big tweet that went out, whether she would join the Republican Party, register as a political independent, or join or start a third party. She spoke in February to the Conservative Political Action Network, uh, that's what you're talking about with CPAC a little bit, uh, in which she called for unity and deplored the, quote, power elites who are eroding individual rights. So this is the part that this is, I was trying to investigate, and it took a, you know, a lot of time this morning to try and find, uh, but I can't find anything. But she has not registered as a Republican. So all the Republicans that say, oh, we welcome you to the party. And just because she left the Democrats doesn't mean she's going to become a Republican. In fact, since she's not no, running for office... There's no benefit to becoming a Republican. She, she might as well be an independent. That way she can criticize everybody like we do. <laughs> no, she, and, 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 you know, and a lot of her views are more libertarian views to begin with. Um, obviously, the anti-war stance, the pro-marijuana stance, um, those are more libertarian. Um, as far as the abortion thing goes, uh, libertarians mm-hmm. are kind of split down the middle as far as that goes, uh, depending on who, which libertarian you want to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, so she, but obviously the gun control thing, but, you know, the big thing about her was that her, her parents were far right uh, wingers. Uh, and she got, when she ran. You mean conservatives? Hawaii, we, we need to correct terminology um, here. Well, you know, this is before the American first thing uh, came out. I mean, but she, when she was running uh, years and years ago before uh, Donald Trump ran for office, um, you know, she came out and apologized. And threw her parents under the bus for being right wingers. Um, and, oh, she's you know, just and a she's rebellious like, kid. We know how that goes. My parents were well, ardent you, socialists, and look at me. I mean, I came from an ultra socialist, feminist, radical Marxist family. You know. But <laughs> I, I, are you going to go? Know. Are you going to go on public stage and apologize for your parents' point of view? No. That was their okay, point of view. It had nothing did. to do with me. Yeah. She okay. did. She, you know, she so apologized wouldn't... for them mm. being Republicans. Um, yeah. So this is not a good person. This is this is like a, the the political view, the political version of Meghan Markle. How about that? <laughs> Look at me. I, I want to be special. Um, she's got the mm, same crazy eyes as Meghan Markle. Um, yeah, but Meghan Markle never yeah. served in the military, and Meghan Markle never did anything for our country. Meghan Markle's done True. everything for herself. I mean, she's a great actress. I loved her in the that was the TV show Suits. Was that Suits. cool? Oh, yeah. Suits. Suits yeah, she was very sexy in that. Yeah, so you have one lawyer who's a criminal. You have another one who's almost a criminal. <laughs> you know, you got an entire law firm <laughs> of everybody's trying for power. I mean, that was like Washington. That was, that was you know, both corporate America and Washington all, all in the same, uh, you know, truly decadent, power-hungry show, but it was incredibly well-written. I love that show. Is, is, it, is it gone? It's really too bad. Oh, it's been gone for a while. Oh, um, yeah, been, I, yeah. Just, I, just, I just got done watching it. it it's on um, Amazon Prime or freebie it's called now freebie um freebie yeah, is it free it's it freebie free yeah it it is free yeah if you have yeah. amazon prime it's free i don't have that well, uh, i don't so have amazon one, prime so it's not free for me in there uh, okay. so I, I just got done watch yeah you know, I, I finished it up earlier this year all mm-hmm. was a seven nine season something like that um 
it, it ran probably about two seasons too long, like every every show does. But yeah, it's um, crazy. It's like Castle, one of my favorite shows. You know, because I love uh, Stana Caddick. I forgot what her name is. Uh, she was just fabulous on the show. But it was like a, one of those, you know, romantic comedy cop shows. And which I mean, remember Moonlighting. We're really digressing. Oh, love, we haven't done, love we haven't done a TV talk thing for a while. But uh, Moonlighting. Remember Bruce Willis and uh, uh, what was his name? Cheryl Shepard. No. Sybil Shepard. There we go. Yeah. Sybil See, that's Shepard. how Bruce Willis got to start. He had hair. He drove, the, drove in a Volkswagen. That was a romantic comedy cop show. Some of those shows, some of those series, you know, like that were fabulous. Remington Steele with uh, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.'s daughter. Uh, Amy Zimbalist? What was her name? Anyway, her. I don't remember her name. Yeah, I barely remember Gorgeous. that show. I didn't yeah. watch that that often. Well, I just, I just think it's funny. You combine romantic comedy and cop shows. You get a really good combination. And the last one was Castle. I don't think we have, a, have another one after that. But trial shows, remember L.A. Law? <laughs> that was a good one. Boston Legal. Uh, well, I mean, Law, per, and, law the, and Order, L.A. Law. I mean, all of those have lasted you know, for so long. Law and Order is different. It's, yeah, but, it's got cops in it. Yeah, but you call, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of a half and half type of show. I like trial shows. I mean, what yeah, was that I mean, Boston one? Not Boston Legal, but the other one, the one before it. Yeah, Boston. The the, the oh, practice. Um, the practice, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I yeah, like trial shows. Yeah, all, uh-huh. all those shows, you know, they all have an expiration date on them because you can only go, you can only do so much with them. You know, yeah, I, mean, I know. You, you can only create so much drama for every single trial that you're part of. And I always uh-huh. question, if you have this much drama, you know, you know, going back to suits for a second, is mm-hmm. Wendy on, by the way, or is she not coming on today? Wendy's not – no, Wendy's not feeling too well, so we're going to give her another uh, – okay. to okay. Uh, rest, recoup, and get her voice back and be her normal, sprightly, giggling self. Okay. So going back to suits, for example, if I was Jessica, uh, who uh-huh. is the head of the law firm, I would uh-huh. have fired everyone, every single person <laughs> inside that place. Yeah, I would have no fired – there's not a single I mean, lovable character in that show. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, the, They're all crooked I mean, the one way show, or another. The show should have yeah. lasted maybe three episodes, and everyone should have been fired. I mean, How about a movie? Because that yeah. does not happen in the real world. I mean, it just well, doesn't happen that way in the world, real world. It is a TV you know, show, and, I mean, and, after all. Well, it is a TV show, and, and it was self-made drama that need, didn't need to be. Um, Harvey Specter, who I just – I love Har- that Harvey Specter character. I love his mentality. I love everything about that man. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You want to be Harvey Specter. You want to be that high power lawyer in that suit. I know you. You want to be in the business no, world. No, I, I, I don't want to be the high power powered lawyer. I want to be that high powered brain. Oh, okay. You know, he, well, that's he me. Just, he, he, no, he, no. You have <laughs> no, a, it's he, not he, me. He, he, he is very, he is very focused. Oh. <laughs> I'm very focused too on, on very, 15 things at he's once. Very What's focused, the problem? Very driven. <laughs> he's very focused, very driven, and mm-hmm. once he gets something in his eye, he captures that no matter what. Um, and I hope people people who are listening know what we're talking about here. Otherwise, we're rambling on for no reason at all. But we can. Uh, we, but, I do know, it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> See, yeah. and here's the thing. Too, but what do you think they're thinking about? You know, because we go to we go to some very interesting places. You know, South Korea, Azerbaijan, New Zealand. You know, Iceland. I wonder what people are thinking about when they listen to us in some of these other countries. Because <laughs> I don't think, especially, uh, you know, Thailand. I mean, what are they thinking in Thailand when we're talking? I don't know. I mean, it's just these are curiosities. This is what we have live chat. So, by the way, folks, the live chat is, is open. If you're listening live, you know, you can get us on live chat. Just go to the bottom of your broadcast page. We also have a Skype line, so you can call us from anywhere in the world. 
and a few people have taken advantage of that, but more will as the show explodes onto the national and international scene. Um, but we just keep uh, doing what we're doing. But, you know, you wonder about, you know, it's interesting, too. There's a little sideline here. And I'm glad you have a few extra minutes. Um, England, Australia and Canada. Those audiences are growing rapidly. The U.S. share of the show is dropping fast and it's being picked up by, by the, the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth countries. Uh, New Zealand too, well, like, to a, well, large, to a smaller extent. That correctly. What the U.S. Uh, the U.S. listenership isn't dropping. The percentage no, share. of total people listening. The perc- yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, no, the U.S. share is the number of listeners in the United States is always increasing, you know, and that's a good thing. But the uh, but the share, you know, but the rest of the world is catching up. Is is, is you know the share is, is is changing, which I find interesting. It used to be about you know ninety five percent U.S. Now it's like eighty eight. That's a big difference. It, it, it's a huge difference considering the numbers that we're pulling in, um, yeah. and, and that's really good because that means that people in Canada, people in England, uh, in other uh, Australia are kind of sick and tired of the parliamentary dictatorship that they're in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I was in Canada, I went and visited my wife's uh, cousin. She's a mm-hmm. dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found interesting, okay, I, I know what you're thinking, and this is what I was thinking too, but when I started talking to her, there is an options for medical in Canada. It's not all 100% free. Um, it is based upon income. And her dentistry, she does. She has three tiers of people, very similar to here, um, where she she volunteers and helps the extreme poor, uh, the ones right. who don't, you know, some of the immigrants who just came into the country or whatever, she'll help them. Uh, but she only takes a couple of them. Then there's, mm-hmm your Medicaid people, the, you know, the ones who get the free insurance. Right. She, she tries to help them. Um, and then, but there's also other people who do pay for their own insurance. Um, and, and that's the ones that she really. Is it private insurance? Has, We're talking about private insurance. It's right? private, it, yes, it's private okay. insurance. So there is still that option, at least on the dental side. I didn't get into the medical side. Um, you know, it, it was, but it was refreshing, even though she was, they were kind of brainwashed a little bit. Um, by this whole COVID thing, which a lot of people in America were too. Um, they definitely don't like Biden. They don't like the fact that they see all these illegals coming into our country, um, even though they're start, they're, but they are actually, you know, because in Canada, they actually welcome people in anyways. Um, they're taking in a lot of Well, they've got more land. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've you got the tundra, man. You can go up north in Canada. There's plenty of room for people. True. You know, just, just put the illegals up north. Just keep going north, <laughs> illegals. Just keep going north. Go up with the polar bears. Well, you know, uh, have you fun. Know, uh, like, I, like I told you last week, Toronto um, is only 47% white, and the rest is Asian and uh, Middle Easterner. Um, so now you're going to throw in Ukrainians into the mix. Uh, well, Syrians you're going to throw into the mix. Yeah, um, and then you're going to start seeing, yeah, yeah and, and but they're not Canadian. So you're going to start you know. seeing, but you're going to start seeing more and more of a mixture in Canada, where it's mm-hmm. no longer going to be that the, the typical French or English. Yeah, it's interesting too. On the West Coast, when uh, when the British uh, lost their lease to Hong Kong, an awful lot of folks from Hong Kong got out when the going was good. They were smart, and they mm-hmm. they they populated the West Coast from uh, San Diego to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And a lot of uh, Hong Kong folks, because they're a British Commonwealth, found it very easy to get into Vancouver. And so there's a very large Asian, you know, Hong Kong population that has now taken up residence in, in uh, Vancouver, 
which makes a lot of sense. It's colder. But Canada, when I was when I was a kid in Canada, I would say I didn't remember seeing uh, people of other colors. I mean, everybody was white. We didn't think about it. Uh, and in Australia, I had all kinds of different uh, you know races, and I didn't think about that either. It was kind of interesting. I had no concept of race until I came to the United States. So whether I was in an all white country or apparently you know almost all white, or I was in a country that had Aborigines, Maoris, um, Pacific Islanders, you know Asian folks, and every other color you can think of. Uh, Abor- I think I said Aborigine. Anyway, uh, we, that didn't that didn't register either. So I mean, I've, I've always been comfortable either, you know, with a, with one race or with a bunch of races. It never occurred to me that, that, that there's such a thing as a race until I got here, which is really interesting. So I always look at the racial, you know, whole idea differently than I think a lot of people, unless you have my experience, which would be very few people, you know, grew up in three different countries. Correct. Yeah, hmm. and, and I think that's where we r- really run into the problem here in America, that um, mm-hmm. we are American-centric. Um, we are... Um, kind of egotistic when it comes to America and we're thinking that we're much better than every other country. Uh, but when it does come to ra- race relations, we're pretty stupid. Uh, we well, allow most countries media, think they're better. Put- most, most, I mean, Australians think they're better. I mean, Canadians think they're better. Well, maybe no, not. But, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I know. But, but, you know, but Americans yeah, particularly. But they still look at it differently. They still look yeah. at it differently. They still look at America as the powerhouse where we don't look mm-hmm. around and say, oh, someone's doing this better than us. No, we're the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, really mm. what it comes down to is that we are stupid and we've gotten lazy because we have been the best for so long. And our thinking is – and then we have allowed political parties. We've allowed news to manipulate us into thinking race is, is important and it's a thing. Um, and yeah, really that's weird. I never grew up with oh, that. But, There's a guilt trip here that is huge. You know, whites feel guilty and blacks feel empowered to use racism against, you know, whites. And it's, it's a fascinating dynamic that I don't take any, you know, when someone looks at me and says, you're a white oppressor, you know, you're a, you know, a slave owner. I say, what are you talking about? I mean, I can't, not, I don't, I don't take any responsibility for that. I don't, I don't accept it. So I'm kind of immune to a lot of that. This is why I can talk about race differently than a lot of folks in this country. But I don't have any white guilt because it has nothing to do with me. I never did. The, the only association right, is yeah, I'm, I'm white. I'm the same way. Other than that, I don't, I don't feel any of that, that guilt, that attachment to this whole, you know, American slave racial issue. I'm just not a part of it. Yeah, and, you know, my, my family came over here after the Civil War, and they, uh, mm-hmm. they lived up north. So, you know, I have no attachment to slavery whatsoever. Yeah, the Fetke um, from, from Germany, yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we're from Germany. Okay. Um, Do you I, know which part? And, uh, but, um, yeah, right at the Polish border. Okay. Do you, yeah, do you have Polish then, uh, folks in your family? Did you, did you cross over the border back and forth? Because the Polish border keeps moving. Every time somebody invades, the Polish border moves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Back and forth but, no, this know. is... The, the original Polish border. How about that? <laughs> okay. Well, you were in Chicago, yeah. so you were covered for both German and Polish. I mean, I think they have fairly large populations of both, right? Oh, huge. And then, you know, I'm also a little bit part Irish, too. So, you know, so mm-hmm. I had all three covered in uh, Chicago. So, so I, I should call you Ofecki? That's really an Ofecki. <laughs> well, he's got a bit of the Irish in him. Well, well you, you say that, the, uh... but there is actually a very famous doctor in uh, Berlin his name is uh-huh. William, middle initial O, last name is Fetke. But he's not Irish, though, otherwise he'd be Ofecky. <laughs> Correct, with the apostrophe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, you speak with an Irish-German yeah, accent, so. that'd be interesting. Oh, sure, I'll yeah, have so, some, but, you know, uh, some Guinness with my sauerbraten. Could be a great morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but going back to what we're talking about with the, the race relations is, 
I mean, okay. it's been so it's been used. It's been used to manipulate people is what uh-huh. it, it's all it's been doing. And it's been used in order to cause distraction. It's been used to bring America down is what it's done because we're so uh-huh. worried about black and white that we're not worried about the fact that we have a bunch of white people in Washington, D.C. who are stealing our money every single day and uh-huh. destroying our our. And destroying our economy. Well, that's why they do it. Destroying America. They, yes. they play on the emotions of people because it works. Play on the emotions of, of Black Americans to uh, say you're a victim. And, you know, Whitey took everything from you, and they play on the emotions of white people saying you're an oppressor. You got to give everything back. And it, neither of which is true. <laughs> you know, it's a bunch of, a bunch of nonsense. But it's it, but it's interesting because they came to this country as a, as, a, as a young teenager. You know, and I walked into busing. I mean, I got involved in. in I was there in Boston after Judge Garrity ordered busing. So all these kids from the inner city it was it was the Metco program. So you have black kids from from you know inner city Boston, Roxbury, places like that, coming out to really white Lexington, where I you know my folks decided to settle for a while. And it was fascinating. I'm like looking around. You know, all I saw was Americans. I've told the story before. I'm looking at black Americans and white Americans, and all. I see are Americans. I'm the minority, right? I'm looking at these people. I'm the one with the accent. I'm the one who talks differently. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, the aberration. I wasn't even, you know, part of this country. And I'm watching this. I'm, I'm looking around going, this is a really strange country. You know, everybody hates each other. <laughs> you know, this is, yeah. uh, this, is not, this is not a normal place. I mean, I, you know, really did not have a good time when I first came here. You know, walking into that kind of a political situation because people, you know, the, the black kids didn't like me because I was white. The white kids didn't like me because I was Australian. I couldn't win at all. I was a minority of one. So well, this is when, when you know, especially uh, again, a political argument or, or a race argument, people say, well, you're white. You, you don't know what it's like to be a minority. I'm like, well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> I know exactly what it's like <laughs> to be a minority, much more so than most minorities know what it's like to be a minority. I still remember when I was 16 going for a job at the local airport and the manager, because affirmative action came in, right? It was, this is the first year of affirmative action, says to me, point blank, I can't hire you because you're white. And I'm like, oh, racial discrimination. Yeah, now I see what it's like. <laughs> so I know that too. Yep. <laughs> you know, so all these folks who say I don't have this experience because I'm a white person, I got news for you. And, I think, and I'm not the only one. I don't think I'm unique in this at all. You know, there's a ton of people. Uh, affirmative action has discriminated against tons of, of, of white people who I think it's time for reparations. I mean, it's, it's the only way to go. You know? So you want to talk about equity? Give me some equity. I want my 16-year-old income plus – I want my 16-year-old job income you know, from Massport, the Massachusetts Port Authority, plus interest. Let me see, I was 16 then, I'm over 60 now, and it's, uh, 50 years of, you know, 40s. Yeah, that's a lot of interest, compounded. Yeah, they owe me a lot of money. They owe you a lot of money. But Greg, oh, I got to so. go in, and I have a okay. dentist who's going to drill me for a while, so I got to... Drill, baby, uh, drill. <laughs> yeah, what a great sound that is. Sorry. So, so what is the worst sound? The, the sound of a dentist drilling or yes. Hillary Clinton... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's ooh, that, that's that we should ponder that one. See, I, I've always said that Hillary, see, Hillary, men hate Hillary Clinton because she sounds like our, our craziest ex, you know. And even when she's talking yeah. calmly and coolly, you know she hates you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, so men will not vote for Hillary Clinton. I've said that before. Women get really upset with that. Men, men won't, won't vote for Hillary Clinton. I'll tell you right now, she's not going to win. She's not going to the guys vote because our, our crazy ex wives or our crazy ex girlfriends all sound like Hillary Clinton. She's not going to win. Yep. It ain't going to happen. Men won't vote for Hillary. I don't know why she's, she's going to run, but she, I guess she thinks she can you know, talk her way around that. Ain't going to happen. Men don't vote for nope. uh, wimpy guys, too. They won't vote for Mitt Romney, either. You know, although I did it no, uh, you know, only because I thought Obama was such a danger to this country. So, you know, I wish I'd voted Libertarian. I voted Libertarian when Bush was running. Um, but uh, I should have voted Libertarian when Romney was running just because I knew he was in – well, I, it was in California. It didn't really matter. <laughs> He's got a great no, – all right, listen, you've got to go. Have fun at the dentist. 
Uh, try singing, you know, like like Wagner operas. You know, while you're in the chair, All take right. him out. You have a good day. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait, here, here's some music to put in your head for your dentist. Listen to this. Just sing that in your head, Bill. You can do it, Bill. Think of the cannons going All right, off. We'll talk next week. The Napoleonic charge. Bye, Bill. shots and everything else to go along with that but uh, Josie's online I'll get to you in just a minute here at Action Radio we are looking for sponsors we have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements and we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio join us and let us help your business evolve think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H, care. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. 
Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Let's bring Josie on here, and uh, uh, we're wide open today. <laughs> Nobody's here. Everybody's gone. Uh, the the wine weed wellness women left. Uh, Tom Stewart has ended oh, his uh, incredible thing, and uh, and and Wendy's not feeling well. So uh, it was Bill and you. Oh. <laughs> we're kind of open today. Oh. We were sort of improvising. Yeah. No, I was I was calling because I never get to hear uh, Bill. I usually mm-hmm. oversleep on Wednesday since I go to bed late. So mm-hmm. I was talking to him yesterday. He came to pick up his order, and I and I said I'll wake up tomorrow to listen to you. So I did. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's fine. Well, you're welcome to talk to him if you got up early enough, and you can certainly call his show. Pianki usually calls. Yeah, it's okay. Um, the last like know, ten, five, ten minutes. I didn't know he was gonna go. So yeah, but well, he's, on uh, he's going to the dentist. Yeah, apparently that's why I was playing him music to put in his head so he could think about I that know, while he's that in, in the chair. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get more. I've got to, I got this whole sound effects thing, and so I'm, I'm gonna get more uh, uh-huh. of them just because I gotta play these things more, and I'm gonna start incorporating more into uh, the show because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I have my new. But theme. I used to I used to be in dentistry for oh. nine years. Oh, you should call yeah. Bill and say, "Hey, Bill, you know." So why do they make I the drill know. sound so bad? I mean, you think after all this time. I don't time. know, but I don't like I don't like the sound. Of, but then you get used to. I didn't like the injections. I used to kind of like turn my head, just give it to the doctor. I said, here. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and dentists and, uh, have the highest suicide rate. It's interesting that no, that you know, yes, nobody, nobody wakes definitely. up and says, I want to go to the dentist. So people are there. I mean, you're there because you have to. You know, I mean, it's necessary because yeah. the alternative is worse, you know, when your teeth fall out and horrible pain and all that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how they did it, you know, 200 years ago. Of course, they ate different food and they're all dead by, you know, 35, 40 anyway. Um, so it, it, it made a difference. You didn't have to worry about losing your teeth later in life because you didn't have later in life. So it was uh, it was a whole different proposition. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, in life without without that needle. <laughs> You know, just drilling, just drilling. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, so it's you know, I don't, I don't it's, mind the modern. Uh, I'll take the needle. I get pretty high a, pain tolerance apparently, so so I don't, uh, I don't yeah. have an issue with it really. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of crooks dentistry doctors too. So oh. Oh. yeah, they. Um, I was working for a dentist in my in uh, Georgia, and uh, mm-hmm. this dentist I was assisting, and I just came from working for the one of the best professional dentist in Miami, you know, like, oh, my God, he's, well, he's just retired, but he's one of the best. Mm. And uh, so I started assisting him, and this 76-year-old woman, uh, beautiful teeth she had for her age, actually. Hmm. And this doctor, I was kind of new there, like, three weeks, and he started drilling in her mouth, and then he goes, oops you're going to need a root canal. And I'm like, I'm giving him a dirty look like you did it to her. So he just went a little deep with a drill to do a root canal, but she really didn't need a root canal, this woman. And then he I should be in jail. Doctor, I mean, that's, that's malpractice. Wait, wait. And that's, so, you know, it gets worse. Wow. So, so I gave him a dirty look. I said, excuse me, doctor, I have to go cough, which it was a lie. Right. I had a mask on, 
So I stepped into the lab and he followed me. And I told him, and you know, I was due there three weeks, right? Three or a month or something like that. Uh, and I told him, I said, "You better do that root canal for free, or I'm going to tell her what you just did." And he's giving me a look like he says, "Okay, I will, I will." And he did the free root canal, but the older lady she had to pay for the uh, for the crown because you have to have a crown after you do a root canal because the tooth becomes very brittle, you know, once right, you take right. the nerve out. So, yeah, I just didn't like what he was doing, and uh, it was very sad, and a lot of dentists do that. They get so close to the nerve, and then they push the drill, and that's it. You have to have a root canal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Sad. I, had, um, I had an alcoholic dentist when I was a kid, and I didn't know it. Uh, I think, you know, Mommy Dearest knew it, and she kept sending me back because he had a weird smell to his breath, and I didn't know what that was because I'd never been around alcoholics or people that drank. <laughs> you know, my folks drank, but they usually would, you know, come uh-huh. in late and sleep until 12 or 1 o'clock, so it was pretty much gone by then. But I thought, what's that weird smell? And then I got to college, and, of course, everybody's drunk in college, right? And I'm like, oh, damn. Now I know what that smell is. That's my dentist, right? But he drilled several of my teeth too much, and, and they have uh, every, every had the, the teeth that he drilled. And a lot of times he didn't use the Novocaine. He just drilled, right? I mean, it's painful. Uh, I mean, we were talking like almost like a torture thing. But it was like, well, that's, this is the way it is. You know, you don't, you don't need, uh, you know, we're not going to go that deep. And then he did go that deep. When, well, he used to give me the needle when he went that deep. But the point was I had to have two implants and another crown on teeth that he drilled because he drilled so much he just hollowed them out, you know. And I, I wow. knew they were deep. I knew they were too deep. But, you know, I'm 15 years old. What are you going to do? You know, so later on in life I had, you know, big fillings. Did you say and you had lasted. implants way back? Uh, no, I've had no, just no, in my, I think I had my first one in my fifties. Um, but it, with the titanium oh. screw and the whole bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but those, yeah, yeah, yeah. all those teeth that, the teeth yeah, that I had implants. we didn't have that back then. <laughs> no, this is fairly recent, but, the, but in other words, I had fillings yeah, and okay. crowns on these teeth because they were drilled too much when I was a teenager. There's no reason for it. So I understand when you talk about dentists doing things, you know, medical cruelty like that, I just go crazy because I know exactly what it was like. I still remember being in that chair, you know, with, with yeah. Mr. Whiskey Breath you know, drilling in my teeth and the drilling, you know, there's it's an a art. Lot of, it's an there, art. There's a lot of bad dentists, yeah. a lot. Yeah. The yeah. first one that I worked for, I was uh, learning dentistry and then went to mm-hmm. do my classes and all that to get my mm-hmm. license. And this dentist, he was a butcher. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought that was dentistry, but the main thing on this is a lot of black children uh, came to this dentist. Mm-hmm. Because he was in a black neighborhood, so <clears throat> this dentist will get—he was cheating Medicaid. So one black family came, for example, with a card of Medicaid, and that little Medicaid card had about four or five kids, and he charged for everyone that everybody had a cleaning, and then he would put a filling on another one, and he was cheating and cheating and cheating. And the way he treated, uh, especially the black children, was bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he would do an extraction, and he would grab them by the head, and the kids were almost coming out of the chair. Uh, yeah. Like, you don't do that. I, and I nobody reported this guy? I nobody who worked new. for him reported him? Why, why was he still able to practice? Well, this is what happened. Um, I was kind of new in dentistry, learning, and I have never seen anything like it. And my husband walked. And there to bring me lunch one day, and he noticed he has his his whole arm locked in this uh, <clears throat> young kid's head, and he goes, "Oh my God, what the heck is he doing?" Mm-hmm. And he 
he said, that's not genocide. You know, my husband just started complaining. But anyway, <clears throat> it went on and on for a little while. Uh, and then I started complaining to him because he was allowing me for me to do everything except drilling and giving the injection. I did it all for him. Wow. I became almost like a dentist myself, except for those two things, extraction and drilling. <clears throat> and um, anyway, so I warned him that I was going to tell his wife that he was doing, doing all this cheating. And he goes, no, 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 please don't tell my wife. And then huh. uh, two, two, three weeks later, he was at it again. He was addicted. <clears throat> he was waiting for that check to come. Every two and a half week or whenever that Medicaid check came, a huge check. And, of course, he will take everybody for lunch all the time. And he said, here's my credit card if you want to go shopping. Uh, yeah, that's bribery. When you go to the pharmacy and get supply, you can get anything you want. And, you know, yeah. all this stuff to everybody. Huh. But um, I noticed he was cheating alphabetical order. He was doing everybody in A, everybody in B. You know, by last name. Huh. And uh, one day, he stood right there by the door with a, a false teeth, which I hate the smell. I couldn't eat potato chips for years after I quit dentistry because oh, wow. the smell of, of potato chips, it smells just like danger. I couldn't stand the danger. Oh, but anyway, that's interesting. He's, standing right, he's standing right there by the door waiting for me to go do a reline on the denture, which that's his duty to do. The assistant is not supposed to do a reline on denture. Right. And uh, anyway, so, I mean, you send them to the lab and all that, but he wanted for me to take care of it, uh, to do the impression and all that for the for the patient, to send them for reline. And I give him a look, and I'm already doing a bonding on a, on a crown that this lady came that it fell. And... Mm. Uh, I'm giving him a dirty look like, I'm already doing your job. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, and I was already upset because he's doing all this cheating, and I'm like, how am I going to get out of this one? And I really needed a job. But you know what? That day I walked out, and I, and he was paying me good money because I was his right. Mm -hmm. And I walked out, and you know what? A week later, he was arrested. Yes, Medicaid fraud finally got to him. Good. He was arrested, yes, and I was happy about it because I'm sick and tired of seeing all this cheating. And a lot of doctors in the medical, they cheat with Medicaid like you would not believe. I, no, I believe it. No, it in fact, if we, could audit, if we could audit Medicaid and the whole thing, well, and look at the cheating the government does with the whole COVID thing, and they were giving you know, 130000 yeah. per COVID death. Absolutely. So if you really want to reform you know, it's not that healthcare is that expensive. It's that there are that many cheaters and they're government cheaters the and they're private cheaters. And, exactly. you know, I mean, how many people, how many people suffered by my alcoholic dentist? I'm sure it's long passed away. So I don't think it's, I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, you know, holding any, any secrets back here, but um, you know, I mean, and how many, and now fortunately I had really good dentists after that. So they're really good dentists out there too. And, and the ones mm -hmm. I got were very lucky, but oh, you yeah, know, I was definitely. very suspicious. You know, I'll tell you another thing that's interesting, too. Um, my folks were, when I was a kid, you know, I was a teenager, I had a bad back, and they were dead set against chiropractors. Don't go to chiropractor. They're quacks or this or that. Oh, of course, I, I did my own research, and I looked them up, and, and what did you say? I'm sorry? I don't like chiropractors. Most of them are okay. cooks. Well, not the, one I, not the one I started with at 17. You know, he that's actually straightened my, my back out. Yeah, well, that's, no, that's mm -hmm. fine, but, but, this, but it's interesting. This is why I had so many of our healing folks on, you know, our, our, our wild women of wellness who have also left the show. Everybody's left the show this week. 
Um, but uh, see, I, I look into a lot of that stuff, and to me, it, whatever's appropriate. If chiropractic is mm-hmm. appropriate over back surgery, I'm going to go for the chiropractic. I've never had back surgery, I've, yet I've always had a bad back, yet now it's but, completely manageable. When they told me I'd be you yeah. know, crippled and have you know, hip replacements and oh, knee wow. replacements because my back was terrible, I'm like, no, I'm going to exercise, and, uh, you know, and I, I swam for 20 years, and I'm in the gym all the time, and I'm going to, I'm going to go bike riding after sure. the show before it rains. You know, but I'm healthy, and I'm in the 60s. You know, and so uh, yeah. you don't have to accept the prognosis that you get. And if I sat around yeah. and did nothing, yeah. my back would be terrible. But I took, you know, positive mm-hmm. action. So you can do that. You can take the action. But the chiropractic, when I was a kid, made sense. So I went to one on my own as soon as I got a you know, driver's mm-hmm. license. That was one of the first places I drove yeah. was my local chiropractor. Fixed my back and did some great things. And, uh, you know, I went like three, four times a year for the next, I don't know, 40 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm still doing it, mm-hmm. but it works. And that's what keeps me walking and healthy, you know? So there's always appropriate treatments and, but you, there's yeah. no guarantees, you know, and there's no way, even if the, like a, like a lawyer too, same thing, just cause they're, they've got a, a, yeah. a law degree in an American bar association accreditation yeah. doesn't mean they're good yeah. lawyer. And so let it's me, really, this is, yeah, go ahead. Let me finish the story about the dentist. Oh, I'm sorry. So I thank thought you were God done. I quit. Yeah. It's okay. We got time. You said a little bit, right? We got the whole show. So yeah, feel free. We're so, winging it today. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so he was arrested, and I was so happy. Thank God that the police didn't come asking me questions and all that because I was going to tell it all. But they mm-hmm. never subpoenaed me or anything to come and testify or anything like well, you that. Could have volunteered. They could volunteered. The manager. <laughs> but they might have implicated you. Not, See, it's a good thing they didn't because you were doing. So I could care yeah. less you know, to go forward. I didn't want to get involved and all that, you know, but now I Uh would be doing something like that because that's fraud. But anyway, so he got, he got arrested. He was only in jail for two weeks because his brother had so much money and he bailed him out. I don't know how many millions they pay off Mm. and he was out. Oh yeah. 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 Is he a Democrat too? He lost his license. Huh? Is he a Democrat too? They seem to get out of jail very easily. Oh, they were Democrats, totally. Okay, yeah, Jewish. Right. But uh, the well, thing is, uh, yeah. he's brought uh-huh. pay off millions for him to get out. And uh, I heard that uh, about 10 years later or whatever, he was practicing again. So I said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And, you know, this doctor, I don't know what he was under, but uh, some doctors, they do take drugs, you know, and I'll tell you a little story about, a little boyfriend I had, uh, he was always high on drugs, uh, an MD. But anyway, this this dentist, uh, I remember him uh, drilling on this old lady's uh, mouth, and he slipped, and he was using the slow drill, which is a brrrr, that's the one that does that sound like that, not the sharp eye beam uh, sound. And right. he kind of like slipped, and he kind of like hit right like underneath the tongue, Ooh. and he made a hole on Ooh. this lady's mouth. I oh. know, and she couldn't stop bleeding. She couldn't stop oh. bleeding, and we had to rush her to the hospital. And uh, But this, do- this doctor, let me tell you, he was a butcher, a butcher. I have never seen anything like it. And uh, And then the funny thing is, I guess, he was going through a lot at the same time, because his wife was sleeping with a neighbor across the street named George. So George <laughs> was always having an affair with his wife while he left in the morning. So George oh, took over. What is the I secret know. world out there so, of all these so things listen, that are going on that funny. we have no idea about? This, this is, is funny. funny. Go ahead. Kind 
this is kind of funny because he was upset that uh, his wife was uh, cheating and all that. And I don't know, but George was a drunk, uh, the neighbor, uh, uh, having an affair with his wife. And, uh, and George slapped her, silly. And she had a black and blue face. But anyway, he was not allowed to come near his wife and all that. And uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I guess she was still at it with George because the doctor was too busy to take care of his wife. And uh, they snuck one time out, and they were at a Holiday Inn, and mm-hmm. George was having an affair with his wife, and he died on top of her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's like Nelson Rockefeller. Yeah. Remember, he was vice president. He, he, he died during sex. Yeah, I don't know. Well, if you got to go, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the, the way to go. That's the way he went. George went in a happy way. <laughs> oh boy, that's hysterical. So that so actually does happen. I thought that was like a, a one-time freaky thing. No, with yeah, it does happen. It, he really. had a heart attack. So we so, now so that we've got see, the action radio gossip hour. So so do you, yeah, so does yeah. this so, this is hysterical. So let me <laughs> keep tell going. Uh-huh. Let me tell you. So uh, I didn't know anything about it, and and, and right. he was upset and all that. The doctor and he goes, "Did you know what happened to Linda?" I said, "What happened, doctor?" George just died on top of her. And, oh, my God, his wife's face, she wanted to hide. She didn't know what to do. But, anyway, I thought that was the funniest thing, that George died on top of her. But but this guy, he was just not happy. And then he was a gambler because he was gambling all the Medicaid money, you know, at the time before he got arrested. And uh, this guy went to Las Vegas the first time, and he gambled his building his dentistry building. He was so addicted to gambling. And uh, at the time, his building was like $275,000, which that was a lot of money back in the 80s. And uh, so he gambled his building, and he had to finance the whole thing. If not, they were going to come after his, 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 his person and kill him, you know. But anyway, so that was a butcher doctor that I was working for. And then this uh, professional doctor, he was one of the best. But the only thing with my doctor, uh, he, he was sick and tired of dentistry. And he will give you the injection, make you numb. And then he went in the office, his little office, and then he didn't want to come out. And he was stumping and just upset because he didn't want to come out. And his wife said, can you go get him? And I was the only one that they could go knock on the door and say, um, the patient is already getting a numb, and now you're going to have to give the patient another injection. What the heck is wrong with you? I would treat him like that. And a lot of time I would stomp underneath his foot because he was always talking over uh, the patient's face in Spanish, like very upset, telling me something. And I got to even I answer in English, <laughs> like rude. But the most fun I had in dentistry, uh, Greg, when we were taking care of the cartels from Colombia. Because whenever they came and sat on that chair and we treated them well and cleaned them and all that good stuff and being nice talking to them, they will give us three, four, five hundred dollars tip. So all the assistants, we were like, we made so much money during the cartel era in Miami. <laughs> like you won't believe it. <laughs> it was crazy. Some of those cartels, they came and had like a twenty thousand uh, dollar job and the whole mouth, and this was in the 80s. That was a lot of money, you know, and they come with a humongous brick cell phones, and that was the new thing back then, you know. So it was it was crazy, crazy, crazy times. Are you there or I love you? 
Hello? Greg? Hello? Did your phone got messed up over there or something? Telling you the uh, story about the dentistry lifestyle that I had, and everything with mute. So it's crazy times, but a lot of doctors uh, are under the influence either of alcohol, drugs. Not all of them, but many, because of the stress lifestyle that they live. Greg, what happened? Hello. I think the FBI came and got him. Oh. <laughs> you know, he was on yeah. top. Yeah. Was, so how how far did you hear me talking about that dentistry? And then it cut off, and I'm like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm back. What happened? Power failure. Huh? Power failure. It was a power failure. It, it, my my whole my whole house just went out, <laughs> but it only went out for a split oh, second. But no. it was enough to cancel the signal. I'm back. It's okay. I got my cell phone. I'm just going to unplug my microphone now and uh, continue on with the show. So I guess Pianki called in. What I miss? I know. <laughs> this is crazy. And well, I was normal. I was telling you the juicy story, man. <laughs> oh, I know. I was, I was loving it, and then all of a sudden I was, I wasn't there. And I tried connecting oh, back in. It wouldn't let me connect back. So I'd have to actually end oh the episode and start a new one. I'd rather just keep this one going. I'll just call him by cell phone. I just got to figure which uh, which plug to unplug so I don't unplug something else. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so we yep, had a good time during the 80s in dentistry. So, you know, too too many too many stories. Well, we're all over so. the place today. So this is kind of fun. So whatever, you know, whatever goes, goes. You know, I mean, I've got these, I've got these articles I can talk about, but uh, you know, I'm just going to move my microphone and, and sort of rearrange my space here. <laughs> we'll, can I we'll tell you on. one more story? Sure, go for it. Um, so well, I was yeah, my very young role. Yeah, I want to tell you about working for the most professional dentist. Which, oh my God, he was one of the best. He had the professional. Eyeglasses that you can see so close up and, and very, very good. No cheating there. He was such a good dentist. Uh, very proud of him. Uh, I used to travel from uh, Pensacola all the way to Bradenton just to go see him because I, I, it was hard for me to find a dentist here in Pensacola. And I did mm-hmm. finally found one, but I told him off because they wanted for me to put a mask on. And I said, no, you're going to lose me as a, as a patient. But anyway, so I was working for him. In the eight, 1982, and we were hiring new dentists, and I was assisting mm-hmm. new dentists coming in, and the new dentists they didn't have a clue what they were doing, so I was guiding some of the dentists when they started working for us. And one uh, lady dentist, she forgot to put, you know, that you put a black uh, rubber thing around to protect you when you're doing a root canal rubber dam, it's called, and she forgot to put this uh, thing on, and a 17-year-old oh. kid, he, his throat got a little numb, and the stupid dentist, she dropped one of the, it looked like a long needle, a reamer, when you pull the the, the uh, nerve, 
and the kid swallowed it. I know. And he's, he's, you know, his throat was snubbed, so he didn't feel that he swallowed it, but she noticed. So we had to rush him to the hospital to get the thing out. So it was crazy. But there's a lot of crazy stories and uh, all kinds of medical field and dentistry, you know. But I, I had a good time uh, as a dental assistant uh, in the 80s was one of the best. Did you hear me telling you I used to make so much money as, with tips with the cartels? I don't know. No, what I didn't hear that story. We're getting all Joseph's yeah, good stories, too. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a lot of cartels come into this dentist because he was one of the best dentists that I knew. And uh, uh-huh. they used to give us uh, three, four, five hundred dollars tips. Uh, the cartel. Oh, you saw that? No, I remember come. that now. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, well, let me we tell you, had a let great me tell time. You my we, story, then we can uh, see if Pianchi has a dentist story. My story was, and this is, I mean, I've told you the, the horror stories, but this is a funny one. Uh, one of the first jobs uh-huh. I had in San Francisco, I originally moved to California to, you know, get all my pilot ratings and join the airlines. What I didn't know when I got there was that California had a big recession. So I was hoping to work at a flying school and work my way into my ratings because I, I couldn't afford aviation colleges. And I, nobody was hiring. <laughs> nobody was flying. It was, this was in the early, uh, early 1980s. Now, the airlines were hiring like crazy, but you already had to have you know, your ratings, and then they were hiring so many ex-military pilots, you know, they're still hiring uh, post-Vietnam guys. And so it was it was not a, you know, it was a, it was a tough market. Anyway, so I got a job, you know, because I've always had an entertainment background, so I thought I'd, uh, I ended up doing singing telegrams. Now, I know you find that hard to believe, but I used to do singing telegrams for Eastern Onion, you know, red tuxedo, the whole bit, right? And it had this little monkey you took with you and a little clapping monkey with the symbols and all this silly stuff. Anyway, so I went to this, this dentist's office. And it was Valentine's Day. Of course, Valentine's Day is huge for singing telegrams. And so I go into this office, and I'm uh, doing the whole singing thing and congratulating and stuff. And I think someone said, don't read the card. But by that point, it was just instinct. So I read the card. You know, and happy Valentine's Day from your, you know, your lover, Dave. And, of course, her husband's name was, you know, Steve. (laughs) I didn't know. It was like everybody knew in the office, but nobody would talk about it. So she dies of embarrassment. This dental hygienist woman runs away. And, like, oh, that's, that's not her husband. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> so I announced her. So her, so her idiot lover, you know, her, the, woman, the guy she's having an affair with, sends her a singing telegram in front of the entire office with a card with his name on it. What an idiot. <laughs> that is bad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she got out. That's crazy. You know, yeah, you know, busted. <laughs> so that's my story. I know. Sing. <laughs> Well, hey, listen, singing telegrams was a great job. It was fun. I ended up in, on, on boats and in bowling alleys, and, uh, you know, I was in fancy restaurants and, uh, and just gorgeous houses. And, uh, oh, I really got to see the Bay Area. It was fabulous fun. That was the thing back then, the singing telegrams. I remember that. Well, my, my favorite story is singing telegrams, now that we're telling stories, uh, is I, I got to do one in uh, the North Beach restaurant, which is a very fancy restaurant, and uh, in San Francisco, it's in the Italian section. And uh, there was a woman who had just gotten elected to Congress, and I thought, well, this is cool. And so I'm, I'm doing my singing telegram. Of course, you know me. I'm like 27, uh-huh. 28 of that. You know, I sat in her lap and congratulated her and uh, put my arm around her and said, hey, welcome to Congress. This is great. And all these pictures are being taken of me. Do you know who that was? Uh huh. It was Nancy Pelosi. Oh no. Oh yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my gosh. So, so somewhere oh. out there, 
And when I get when when the show gets huge and national, when because somebody's got a picture of me in Nancy Pelosi's lap when she got elected to Congress, because I was at her congratulations party. I was the I was the entertainment. Oh wow! Yeah, no kidding. That is crazy. <laughs> Had I it's known, crooked. so Nancy Pelosi and I, I I've I've shared Nancy's lap. I, I you know I was right there in public. You know, it's like hi Nancy. You know, and it's it's hysterical. I didn't know who she. Nobody knew who she. Well, I mean, the people that voted for her knew who she was. I wasn't following politics at that point. You know, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. But uh, I mean, yeah. but who who knew? I, I sat in the speakers, the future speakers' lap. You know, they and sang a sang a congratulations song. I mean, I I thought I was being hysterical, but uh, she even had a funny look. I, I I'll never forget that look in her in her big brown eyes. You know, like absolute horror. <laughs> you know, what's this guy doing? Because you know she's not the biggest person in the world. I was six too, so you know it's kind of funny. Anyway, yeah, you, that's my story. Bianca, you got a story? What's that? I said you're pretty tall. No. No, oh, yeah. Do I have we're a story? Get serious no. after this. Yeah, we, we can get serious after this. We've got about another hour and a half of, of serious talk. But we've had so much fun with, with this funny talk. You know, you don't have any, Pianchi, don't have any stories to add to our collection this morning? No, you guys are on a pedestal by yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always flight. Uh, yeah. we, we always tell flight instructor stories, too, and, and, and different things like that. But uh, those are the things that didn't work, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you find yourself uh, at you know, four or 5,000 feet, some idiot cuts your engine, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Students look at me, what do we do now? I, I, glide, obviously. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you those stories. Glide. Being a flight, well, well, no, being a flight instructor is another fun thing that uh, has provided me endless stories as well. All right. Um, let's take a, a, another quick break here, and we'll come back. And I've got two – there's certainly two catch-up topics since nobody's here today. And I'm building new reports, so the show is going to completely change uh, over the next couple of weeks. Let me see if I just check my my text. Okay, nobody's texting in. Okay, let's get back to that. Hope I don't push the if I push the bu- the wrong button and, and cut my own phone call. You guys just keep talking. Um, but we've got we got new people coming in again. Pianchi, I don't know if you heard earlier. Captain Tom uh, has has finished his uh, uh, his shows with us, and uh, our, our wellness folks, Chancy, Lindsay, and Paige. Uh, have finished their regular stuff because they have they got their business going, um, and so uh, and Wendy's not here today. We, we missed her, and the only person of, of the regular folks that showed up for reporting was Bill, and so uh, um, so that's where we stand right now. All right, let's play a couple things. Yeah. And, uh, okay, I hope Wendy's doing okay. What's that? I hope Wendy's Wendy okay. No, Wendy I, 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 I talked to her this morning. Yeah, Wendy, Wendy's okay. recovering from her 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 mold situation, so she'll be fine. She just, I mean, the house is clean, but she's just got to get over, you know, all that junk in her system. But she'll be fine. Be right back. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow, and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. 
Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. remember to unmute my phone. I was looking at the microphone, but I suddenly realized I'm not on the microphone anymore. <laughs> I'm on the phone. <laughs> so, and that plus all my websites uh, blanked out too. So they're all, all my nice arrangements before the show, they're all gone too. So everything, everything's kind of crazy right now. So we're just, we're just kind of starting over, but that's so, how it goes around here. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the show that you did with Bill, is it right? No, no, this is the this same morning? show. So what it did was no, it's, I'm saying uh, the recording and all that. Can you spike it together or no? No, well the show never oh. stops. The only thing that stopped was oh, my okay. computer. But the show because we were logged you. in, blog talk, blog talk kept it going. But once you get logged uh-huh. out, I couldn't I couldn't connect again with my microphone I to the show. I, yeah, yeah. So I tried I tried broadcasting. I, I tried talking and and your your line was live and you didn't answer me. So I thought it was dead, uh, not dead, but I mean the microphone was dead. So then yeah. I tried reconnecting the direct connect, and, and then they said, oh, you've already called in. You know, so it thought I was still there, even though I wasn't. So the connection was broken, but Blog Talk thought I was still connected. So the show should be fine. It'll just have you guys you talking. You need to buy a power supply, Chico. Like a spare power supply? Yeah, a power supply, so when the power goes off, your show continues. Even if it's interrupted for a split second, as soon as that connection's cut, it goes. So unless the mm-hmm. power supply, see the power came right back. It holds it out. Literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can I look into uh, what would that do? So I plug into the power supply. The power supply plugs into the the surge protector. How to does the it computer. work? Yeah, you 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 you. It's a big thing. I don't know how much they are. Eighty bucks, a hundred bucks. Uh, so you buy your power supply. You plug it in into your computer, and uh, and if anything happens, it continues going. I believe. Yeah. It doesn't okay, damage anything. Oh, I can't afford it this month, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, 
mm-hmm. looking for more sponsors too because one of our main ones decided to uh to call it quits so uh that's cut okay. into a little bit of my cut into everything <laughs> actually um so yeah we're, we're kind of everybody seems to be disappearing right now which is really too bad because some, some amazing things are about to happen can't tell you yet uh, you're gonna find out very soon but yeah. uh, we're, we're we're turning a big corner here, and so I'll announce these things as we can. Um, but uh, but some some you know things are changing. Things are changing fast. I think for the better. Right. Um, but uh, but you know it's it's interesting as we go through phases. Like we had a big wellness phase. You know we've had big political phases. We've had different. Uh, we have family court. We were doing that a lot at one point. So we we go through phases here. All right. Let's the, the two yeah. main topics this week. Who's running the country and the coming civil war? And these are huge Obama. topics. Well, that's that's Obama what I'm figuring too. Okay, well, see now I've yeah. got several articles on that. So we read the one yesterday with Lawrence Sellin. Lawrence Sellin, you know, says that we need a. Uh, I'll just go back and just cover this a little bit here. He says we need change will only occur through a bottom-up nationwide political insurgency, and I'm saying that's us. Now his program is securing the national borders, detaining and expelling all illegal aliens, declaring English the only official language, strictly enforcing equal opportunity eliminating all discriminatory diversity and equity policies. That would be everything from critical race theory to affirmative action. Uh, outlawing the teaching or promotion of critical – well, yeah, there he goes again. Critical race theory and sex-oriented curricula for children. Establishing a simplified and equitable tax system for individuals and businesses to limit both the Internal Revenue Service and the impact of lobbyists. Wait a minute, I'm a lobbyist. <laughs> Begin moving right. federal departments out of Washington, D.C. to other locations in the country and hiring local employees. Yeah, I'd like to put the um, – that would be a good place to move the Department of Education. I don't know, Guam? That would be a good start. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, restoring energy self-sufficiency, uh, rebuilding from the ground up the Department of Justice, the FBI, and all intelligence agencies. I like that one. Uh, maintaining a strict mm-hmm. construction interpretation of the Constitution, limiting congressional terms to a total of 12 years, uh, if for the House of Representatives or the Senate, uh, all current members of Congress have been there longer than 12 years. They're done. Removing all special benefits from members of Congress. Uh, and then it says, with the exception of funds necessary for the defense of the nation, establish a yearly uh, 5% cut in government spending and a 10% cut in foreign aid. I think he missed a big, big deal by not having something to do with the national debt. Of course, my big thing is to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that's it's a, disgrace. It's a yeah. disgrace what these people are doing, period. But they're going to eat all that money. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't but you know what's interesting, though? If you look at Lawrence Sellin and you look at other folks, they're all talking about the same thing. You know, Steve Banner, you listen to him. I listen to him. Uh, I catch them in a war room after the show. And all of yeah. these folks are saying that it's time. For, they're basically calling for a revolution, and a peaceful one, not an armed insurrection. You know, but a peaceful revolution, and they're talking about you know the people. We got to take our country back. I mean, how many times have you heard that? But they don't give you a way. Some we people will. are actually, we'll take yeah, it but back. some people. I know your way, and I know my way are totally different. But some people are talking about this, like this. You know, Lawrence Sellin is talking about a national insurgency, uh, not an insurgency, a violent one, but an insurgency of policy changes, of law changes, and that's what we do here. So I want to talk to him. You know, I'll see if I can get in contact uh, today after the show sometime. But there's a lot of people what? that are calling for Victor, Victor Davis Hanson. You know, the people have to change things. And they're all talking about the stuff that we do here every day. I just find that but interesting. You know, I think we're in the right place at the right time for, for uh, some big but, change. But, you know, Greg, uh, this criminal government of ours running our country to the ground, they want right. war. That's what's they do going want on war. in the Ukraine. They're, they're 
brainwashing the whole world, making them believe that Putin is, is attacking, throwing a missile, doing all this bombing and all that in, in Ukraine, and it's, it's, it's a lie. I believe they have mm-hmm. evidence that the uh, torpedo, that they blow up the bridge in Ukraine, and I got videos from my Ukrainian family. Oh, Putin, look what Putin is doing. It's not Putin doing this. I guarantee you, you're going to see it. It's not Putin doing that. That came from a Ukrainian, uh, either a ship or underground, uh, uh, what do you call underground those uh, ships? Uh, I cannot think of the name for submarines. Yeah, submarines. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't think it was was a torpedo. Torpedoes hit underwater, and this affected the bridge above the waterline. This looks more like a missile. It was it was a sort of torpedo missile, but we're not sure. But it came from a from the Ukraine, from their government. Zelensky is doing this to blame Putin. That's exactly what's no, happening. No, it's not doing, no, 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 no. So this is this is the bridge from Russia to the Crimea. This is a Russian I know, bridge. I know. So exactly. they're not blaming no. Putin for it. Zelensky's taking credit for. It. Well, who's blaming Putin? For, that's like blaming Putin for the pipeline. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's exactly what they're doing. But we are. I think we blew up the pipeline. I think we. I, I sort of think China's kind of out of that. I don't think yeah, that, Biden that doesn't did. make sense. Well, Obama. No, Biden blew up the pipeline. Okay, yes. and Biden supplied. Well, whoever you know, Obama. We should start calling it the, the Obama administration just to piss people off. Yeah, it is. So the it Obama is. administration. It is. I know it is. But let's start calling it that just to see what happens. So the Obama administration, mm-hmm. you know, supplied the the uh, the missiles to Ukraine because I don't think they have a missile. I don't know if they had missiles that accurate to uh, blow up that bridge or the, the switchblade and the drones and the other things they have. Now, mm-hmm. Russia has a bunch of Iranian drones, which is interesting. They're, they're suicide drones, yeah. they're called, they're killer drones or whatever. So the drones actually, mm-hmm. they're like kamikaze drones. They actually fly into, the kamikaze, drone becomes a yeah. missile itself. And so they just guide it right mm-hmm. into the target. Well, there's nobody on board. Who cares, right? It's just, you know, there's no difference yeah. between a drone flying in and a drone. It makes more sense than having a drone drop a bomb that just kind of glides in, maybe with the wind currents. So this is much more uh, but, accurate, a much more accurate way to do it. Yeah. But all of this but happening, Greg, uh-huh. all of this happening is the Biden with Zelensky from Ukraine. They're doing all this. I was watching a video and watching the face and the reaction, and I understood some of the Russian uh, things that uh, Putin was saying, and he had somebody uh-huh. translated because I watched this, yep. this uh, news that he comes on, and he was saying, uh-huh. I was only helping, I was only rescuing my neighbors, like you would do too, and protecting his border from nuclear and all that stuff, uh, that the Ukraine has got all these things, bioweapon lots and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and well, if you were... This, he's protecting his, his country. Oh, I believe, yeah, um, I think Putin's acting, I mean, Putin's doing some stupid things, but he's also doing some things he has to. And so, but that's, that's pretty typical of most leaders. They, they go too far one way, they make mistakes. But if, you know, if I were Putin, I mean, I wouldn't want Ukraine and NATO either. In fact, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want, want Eastern Europe to be a buffer zone. So this is, we talked yeah. about this with, with Captain Tom Stewart last week, that the way to handle, the way yeah. they have handled this, I mean, Trump, do you hear Trump in his last rally calling for a negotiated peace? He says, and I believe he would have done this. He would have gotten Zelensky and Putin together in a room, sat him down and said, okay, we're going to solve this now. We're not going to tolerate you people going to war with each other and thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people dying because you're both stupid. So sit down, make a decision, and let's get this thing solved. I mean, that's how that's how but, Trump. Um, but Trump is just saying that in front of the world. But there's more behind closed door going on. 
Trump well, and Putin. I know. That's that. yeah. See, I believe that's how he would have handled it. And I think the way to handle it would be to get NATO completely out of Eastern Europe, leave Eastern Europe alone, and let Eastern Europe and Russia figure this out. Let them fight over Ukraine, but not us. We got no business there. Pianki? But, but if you notice, Greg, all the other countries are not getting involved because they know exactly what's going on with uh, Russia and Ukraine. It's not well, Russia. There's another reason, too. Huh? No, there's another they want their oil. They want their oil and they want their natural gas. They're not going to piss off Russia and lose all their energy. They've already lost their pipeline. They've already lost their natural gas. It's going to be a horrible winter. So who they really should be blaming is Brandon. Brandon cut off the Russian pipeline. So that's where the blame mm-hmm. should go. And quite frankly, yeah. Europe never gets involved. Europe doesn't get involved in these things. They save their money. Germany doesn't even have a, a national defense. They count on NATO. They count on us to pay for their defense still. I mean, that's one thing yeah. in 1946 when there was no Germany. You know, Russia would happily have invaded and taken all of Germany. It made sense for us to have NATO in those days. But as soon as the, the Russian Empire, the Soviet Union collapsed, NATO should have been dissolved because there's no reason for it after that. All it's done is caused trouble. It's made the world less safe, less stable. Never need to be there. That's right. But uh, these criminals running our country, they're the one pushing for war to distract for the election coming up. But they always push what's for war. Going on. This yeah. is the thing. They always yeah. push for war. It was, it's a permanent behind war. All the big special. Yeah. yeah. But there was a big special on, uh, I think, either One American News or Newsmax. Man, it was Newsmax. But they're talking about this. I'm only gonna spend, I want to get to another article that you're going to be really shocked by. But what they do, the United States, you know, and this is right out of 1984, there always has to be an enemy. There always has to be some, a distraction. You know, we have to be at war somewhere because it makes bankers and military uh, industrial complex people rich. It makes politicians rich because they spend the money and they get the glory and they watch bombs going off and they're happy. It's really disgusting. And they get a lot of that money back in their bank account. That's what's been going on do. for years. Well, we need, <laughs> I need to find a good investigative reporter that's tracing the money that goes to Ukraine and where it's going. So I'll be, I'll be looking at Ukraine uh, money in a bit. Piaki wants you to make a comment here, and then I'm going to get to an article in The Guardian, which is rather interesting. I'm going to continue listening. I can't make no remarks. Okay, so, so Josie's going to go listen on hold. Uh, she'll still be there. And, and Piaki, I'm sorry, what was your statement? No, I said I didn't have no Goodbye, Josie. Be careful, please. Bye, Josie. Okay, I'll continue listening to you guys. God bless. Bye. All right. Anyway, let's, let's – uh, now that we're going to news mode, let me play my, my news theme, and we shall get to our, our, our following article. Now, that's kind of loud. <laughs> Stories from around the world. So let's get on the newsroom and see what's going on. I got to check my broadcast. Now my broadcast news theme is actually kind of quiet. You know, I'm checking volumes. This is the only time I get to hear things as you guys hear them. So that makes a difference. All right. So I found an article uh, that's a complete contrast to the one we just read by uh, Lawrence Sellin, who believes that there's a civil war coming. The, the left also believes there's a civil war coming. And I got an article here from Robert Reich, or as, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, Robert Reich. Anyway. 
So this guy is the ultra Marxist leftist, former secretary of labor in the Clinton administration. And so this is in the guardian, which is the British leftist press. Uh, it's an article from May 11th, 2022 says the second American civil war is already happening. So exactly the same headline from the conservative Lawrence Sellin. And this is from the leftist, uh, Robert Rice. He says, America will still be America, but it's fast becoming two versions of itself. The open question is how will the two be civil towards each other? Yeah, I know what the left wants. The left wants them to dominate, so we have to be civil to them, but that's another story. He says, the U.S. Supreme Court's upcoming decision to reverse Roe v. Wade, an early draft of which was leaked last week, let's give you the timeline, right, doesn't ban abortions. It leaves the issue to the states. As a result, it will put another large brick in the growing wall separating blue and red America. The second American Civil War is already occurring. But it is less a war. It is less of a war than a kind of benign separation analogous to unhappily married people who don't want to go through the trauma of a formal divorce. He says one America is largely urban, racially and ethnically diverse, and young. The other is largely rural or exurban, white and older. <laughs> so this is how he sees the world. He sees the world in groups. But it's interesting that uh, they always characterize the uh, the Roe v. Wade decision uh, as as. Uh, as banning abortions, it does nothing of the kind. It does leave it to the states, but nobody remarks on the fact that the original Roe v. Wade order was an illegal order to begin with. You know, and the left talks about the right to an abortion. Well, there's never been a right to an abortion. You can't have a right to abortion when one of the, the lives involved in it ends. <laughs> that's just that's a contradiction. That's a, that's a misdefinition of what rights are, and that's that's never really talked about. So the Supreme Court did not take away the right to an abortion because that right never existed. You can't have a right over somebody else. Um, but it's just interesting that the left never sees it that way, and they see everything as groups. So their America, their America is what they what we've got here, young, or largely urban, racially and ethnically diverse, and young. That's one America. The other America, yeah. in fact, I would call that the, the tax-funded, you know, and the tax-earning would be the other America, the rural one, rural or ex-urban, white and older. Pianchi, curious so far? The groups, everything is the group. Let me throw it back to him. Well, then you got a constitution. Yeah. And, <clears throat> the constitution gives uh, individual rights, not group rights. Yeah, which raises the question, can leftists ever be qualified for political office when they don't see individual rights? They don't see the world as individual rights. Therefore, they couldn't possibly govern in a republic that's dedicated to individual rights because they simply are so ideologically opposed or or diverted from the idea of individual rights that they don't consider that a concept. So how can liberals even be qualified to be in government? There's a question. Well, they like to create, they they instigate policies that help create groups of oppressed people. Mm -hmm. Except for the group that he says is exurban. What do you mean exurban? So they were urban, they left? What if they were never there? What if they're always rural or suburban to begin with? He doesn't say suburban or rural. He says ex-urban. That's an interesting choice of words. In other words, urban is right. Ex-urban is, is, is ex. In other words, bad. You know, spouse. You know, they were a good spouse, but now they're an ex. So ex is like a negative term. I just think he says that the, the good is racially and ethnically diverse and young and urban. That's, that's the, those are the good people, right? The bad people are ex-urban. In other words, they were urban, white and older. I mean, that's the, that's the way it, it, it reads to me. He's making a real, a real split, you know, young, ethnically diverse, good, white and older, bad. Anyway, he says the split is accelerating. Red zip codes are getting redder and blue zip codes bluer. Well, see, I never liked the red-blue split anyway because red is the color of communism. 
So to define, you know, patriots and Americans and conservatives as red is insane because people don't understand symbolism. Then he says, of the nation's total 3,143 counties, the number of super landslide counties where a presidential candidate won at least 80% of the vote jumped six, from 6% in, 20, in 2004 to 22% in 2020. That's actually significant. I didn't know that before, that, um, that there were very few counties that were absolutes like that, like over 80%, but a whole bunch more in 2020. So we are polarizing. That I will grant him. He's right on that. That's all right. That's good. You know that, that as long as you don't compromise. Well, and that's why I was going to get that Barry Goldwater quote, which I should I should pull up again. Uh, and I think it's like extremism. Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. And then he says moderation. Um, let me see if I can get that that quote again because it's a really good quote. We had, it came up during Bill. Uh, extremism. Uh, in defense of liberty. There we go. So this is what seems easy to find. So Barry Goldwater said this a bunch of years ago. Let me see if I can find his uh, his full quote. See if the National Review brings it up. Come on, guys. I thought I said this. I just said this was easy to find. Now it's not easy to find. Huh. All right. I have to go find it again. Let me get my Barry Goldwater quotes. Here he says, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. Moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. That's very Goldwater. So in other words, being polarized is not a problem if you're being polarized in a way that brings about more liberty. I think that's what he's, I think that's what Bull, Gold, blah, 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 Barry Goldwater was getting to. All right, here we well, go. Well, the whole so contention, go ahead. the whole contention uh-huh. said best, uh, sort of in a James Bond <clears throat> movie, live and let live is what you should do. Live and let live. Yeah, but that's not the title of the movie. The movie title is Live and Let Die. I, yeah, but I said it, it was portion. It was sort of on the contention of that title. Live and let die. But uh, let other people live and you live what you're going to do. And stop trying exactly. to impose your way. On to others. Yep. So I agree. Live and let live. You know, if someone, I, this is why I say, you know, when we get liberals and stuff on the show that disagree with me, I'm not here to change their minds. I'm not, that's not my purpose. I do want to find out how they think and why they think the way they do. You know, that, cause that's interesting. And then I might be able to persuade people in the middle, but if you're a diehard liberal, if you really believe in, in a big government, if you believe in socialist programs, you know, that's fine. I mean, I'll disagree with you on policy. I don't care about that. What my problem is, and I think most people's problem, is for the Marxists come in and say, not only uh, you know, can't you disagree with us, but we're not going to let you talk about your disagreement. You can't express your disagreement. That's the real problem. That's where the Marxists you know, diverge. Anyway, let's get back to Robert Reich. He says, surveys show Amer- that Americans find it increasingly important to live around people who share their political values. Animosity towards those in the opposing party is higher than at any time in living memory. 42% of registered voters believe Americans in the other party are downright evil. Now, is this manufactured or is this real? Because I think the Democrats are polarizing by the cancel culture, by saying that you can't disagree with us, and if you do, you're a racist. You can't disagree with us. If you do, we're going to shut you down. You can't disagree with us or we're going to ruin your family business. America was never like that. So I think the polarizing is because one side 
you know, I've never heard a conservative say, I want to shut down that Democrat business. I want to kick those people out of their homes. I want to take them off social media. I want to ruin their Twitter accounts. Conservatives just don't think like that. So we don't care because we live and let live. Democrats live and let die. Oh, there's a political slogan for you. That'd be interesting. All right. But now here's let's get back to more of what he says here because this is actually kind of an interesting article. Uh, he says almost 40 percent would be upset at the prospect of their child marrying someone from the opposed, the opposite party. If you worry about interracial, now we're having interpolitical marriage. We've never talked about that, right? Uh, at the president even before the 2020 election, when asked if violence would be justified if the other party won the election, 18.3% of Democrats and 13.8% of Republicans responded that it was okay. I don't believe that. I think it's a little high on the Republican side, but I think it's a little low on the Democrat side. But the idea that people think it's okay to get violent uh, if the other side wins, I think that was proven by the riots that happened after Trump won. Riots by Antifa, riots by Black Lives Matter in Democrat cities across the country. They believe that violence, when you don't win, is okay. So he's right on it, but he's only half right. But what about this idea of interpolitical marriage? I never thought about that until I read this article. I didn't know that was a thing. Is that a thing? Do you do it over and over again? Oh, you're looking at the definition of insanity? No, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, well, let's put it this way: what if because uh, we talked about interracial marriage, you sound kind of but muffled. What are you doing? You turn flips or what? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, now. Well, maybe well, it's just the weather. Okay. Um, I try to stay close to the phone, so that I, I got my phone sitting on a stack of books. <laughs> so, you know, because I want to put it up to my ear because it's got radiation, but. I don't mind getting close enough to talk to it a few inches away. Anyway, but uh, but interpolitical marriage. I mean, is is that that threatening to people that if someone is from a different political party, in other words, you can't marry a Democrat or you can't marry a Republican, is that a thing? Well, (laughs) I tell you what I've heard of that, and I don't think it's insane. I think – uh, it's a legitimate reason. It's a legitimate a point. And I've heard families, okay. I've heard that come out of... I mean, do you think people are getting divorced over the fact they belong to different political parties? I guess they are. I think so. Yeah, I think wow. so. Wow. Of course, I don't like, I'm kind of, you know, off marriage anyway, so I don't think it's going to really affect me. But yeah, if the country's that split, well, and I told you my stories in San Francisco where I, I uh, you know, back in my online dating days, you know, I, I meet women. Of course, most women in the Bay Area are liberal. It's kind of hard to avoid it. And I try to avoid politics. You know, I just want to meet people, you know, go have fun, meet some nice women, you know, maybe find a girlfriend. Who knows? But but the, but the thing was, you know, if I said anything, you know, and you, invariably something political would come up. They would say something. I would say something. Not intentionally. You know, and I'd, or I'd react to something they said. Yeah. And they're like, oh. You're one of those people. One you of have people. blacks that want they that don't want their kids marrying whites. Uh, you have blacks that uh, that don't don't want their kids playing with whites. You had uh, Middle Easterners didn't want their kids dating uh, blacks. You know, with the mercy killings, a couple of cases of that. 
So, yes, those uh, ethnocentric values uh, do prevail. Well, I know about them, but I didn't know how bad the problem was of interpolitical marriage. I didn't even, like I said, I just made up that term. But that's interesting. You know, and then he said, Oh, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of uh, fathers telling their daughters, don't be bringing no democratic dating in here. <laughs> that's funny, yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, this whole family dynamic thing is interesting. Then Robert Rice, the leftist Secretary of Labor, says increasingly each America is running under different laws. Red states are making it nearly impossible to get abortions, but easier than ever to buy guns. I mean, he says that, that like, like that's a bad thing. Then he says they're also suppressing votes, which is not true. In Florida and Texas, you know, teams of election police have been created to crack down on the rare crime of voter fraud. Another fallout from Trump's big lie. So this is an interesting. So this is what I say. If you want to know how leftists think, you got to read their stuff. So they believe that the world oh, is a pretty cool group. Go ahead. The Supreme Court just ruled on uh, a case in Pennsylvania with mm-hmm. ballots that didn't have no dates on them. And the yeah. one judge said that they should be counted. And the people were saying they should be thrown out because they're illegal ballots. And the Supreme Court just ruled on that. What did they say? That they had to be thrown out? Yeah, they should have been thrown out. So what did the Supreme Court rule? Court didn't change the, it didn't change the outcome of the election of the judge that was uh, who lost. But did the, uh, court rule they should, should, did the court rule they should be thrown out or not? The court ruled with the complaint of that ballots that didn't have dates on them should not be counted. Where did you get okay, that good. from? So the Supreme Court actually did the right thing then, the Pennsylvania court. No, that was Sonomai. That was the uh, Supreme Court. Oh, the Supreme, Supreme Court, court of, the United of, the, of the United States ruled that Pennsylvania couldn't accept ballots without a date on it. Right. Well, it didn't say that they shouldn't. It said that the complaint was a good complaint. Okay. So what's the result then? Well, it didn't change the the, the uh, candidate that was contending for the seat position, but uh, okay, you know he's still lost. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, let me say, but this is this is actually kind of an interesting article because it really this is what we're going to be up against. We're going to be up against. Uh, a Democrat and a leftist, you know, Marxist America that looks at everything in terms of group, everything in terms of politics. You know, you're with us or you're against us. You know, everything in terms of, of whether you're urban right or and wrong. Or they look at things right and wrong, rather than law. You know, yeah, like, abortion is good. Anytime, the the, anytime, they, anytime you hear like the in, individuals compare uh, the uh, Second Amendment to the right to have abortion, is something wrong with them. But and that's that's why this is an interesting line. Red states, he says, are making it nearly impossible to get abortions, but easier than ever to buy guns, which is fascinating, you know, because they think here on the one hand they think they're saving lives by getting rid of guns, which they're not. They're actually costing lives, and they're costing lives by abortions, which they consider, you know, saving lives. Healthcare, you're saving the mother from from having to be a mother. You're saving the woman from having to be a mother. It, it's just a it's such a totally different orientation. Yeah, in well, the yeah, same way, I mean, they, what he said, what he uh-huh. said is ridiculous when he compared oh, the two in that particular matter. But these are the people that we have to deal with. So if we're going to deal with the left, we have to understand how they think and how they think their version of civil war is that they're going to fight for abortions and against guns, even though the Constitution 
doesn't mention abortions, doesn't mention health care at all. It's a state matter. So the Supreme Court did the right thing by by correcting. They didn't take away the right of abortion. They corrected a bad decision, an illegal decision. Roe v. Wade was an illegal decision. The court had no authority to make that decision. And the states had no obligation, therefore, to follow it. And yet the court made that opinion. And the states, for some reason I will never understand, followed it. But they didn't have to. Anyway, um, so this is, but this is the orientation. Then it says they're also suppressing votes, which isn't true. So, so the left believes that it's just a big lie that the election was stolen. And, and they think that, uh, you know, that, that all, the, all the voting fraud there is, is just, you know, if you're against their vote fraud, you're a racist because it's suppressing the vote. So in other words, anything that doesn't let them win and doesn't let them mail order and ballot harvest and everything else like that, they think of that. So you take away their cheating, they think of that as suppressing their vote. So we have to understand that if we're going to beat them. But that's how they think. So in other words, they're the national winners. Anything they do to win is okay. And anything we do to stop them by actually making them conform to the law, they think of that as voter suppression. That's what we're up against. And here it goes again. Here's another, you're going to love this line too, right? He says, Reich says, they're banning the teaching of America's history of racism. <laughs> is that fascinating? So in other words, yeah, so people who know. People who know, who are woke, obviously know that America has a history of racism, and the, the, the evil, dastardly Republicans are banning the teaching of, history, of America's racism. See, I would refrain, refrain, rephrase that, that we're teaching, you know, we're banning the teaching of the false claim of racism. See, well, you know how to put a stop to that. Well, you, you, see, see, if you're going to teach racism, teach black racism, too. Oh, that makes sense. See, the death, then that's stopping this, oh, my goodness, I didn't think about that. <laughs> what if a college did that? What if we had the Louis Farrakhan, you know, black racism course? You know, Absolutely. Wouldn't that be hysterical? If you, say you had like, uh, you know, the Louis, someone gets the Louis Farrakhan memorial, uh, not memorial, he's still alive, Louis Farrakhan teaching award. So if a black professor teaching that Jews are termites or parasites, and, and what else does Farrakhan teach? That uh, the white people are the devil. And actually, after that course, I would be interested to see if a Jesse college Jackson teaching Jaime Town. Jaime Town, yeah, exactly. Jaime, what do blacks have against Jews? What's 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 the how did that get started? Is it the same old banker the secret relation the, uh, the the secret relationship between black and Jews was a publication came out of uh, Nation of Islam faction. <clears throat> okay, so what? So why would why would Black Americans hate Jewish Americans. What, what's or is it Israel itself? What's what's the well? It, really, you have to say some because all don't because you have oh, some that Yeah, Sammy Davis well, Jr. was a black. I was a Jew. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I think, is really Jewish, right? The Whoopi Goldberg that? follows Judaism. I think one of her boyfriends well, or Goldberg's, something was. Yeah, Goldberg's a Jewish name. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I, we had friends in high school. We tried to think of the most Jewish name we could. We came up with Goldbergmanstein. I'll, I'll let you think about that for a minute. <laughs> anyway, most I had a lot of Jewish friends in high school because they were all in the band. You know, So our band was like one-third Jewish. So when we had Yom Kippur and uh, Rosh Hashanah, you know, a third of the band was gone. <laughs> With big holes in the band, you know, it was really pretty funny. Yeah, election in high school band. Yep, the Jewish students are out for the holiday. 
you know, so we, we, we definitely weakened our sound considerably. It was funny. Anyway, so, so back to Robert Reich, the leftist, says that red states are making it nearly impossible to get abortions, but easier to get guns. He says they're also suppressing votes, you know, because they think vote fraud is, a, is Trump's lie. Then it says they're banning the, his, the teaching of America's history of racism. Then it says they're, they're requiring – this is talking about Republicans – Robert Rice, the leftist, they're requiring transgender students to use bathrooms and join sports teams that reflect their gender at birth. Like, that's a problem. This is really a, a, a textbook guide to everything that's wrong with the left. Expressed the way he would naturally. This isn't in The Guardian. So he's writing to a friendly audience. Here's the leftist writing to other leftists. This is what they say to each other. Oh, I can't believe they're making you know, men use the men's bathroom because that's what they were born as. That's a terrible thing. You know, this is fascinating. I'd read part of this article. I hadn't read the whole thing. And then it says they're making it harder to protest, unless you consider Antifa destroying a city a protest. They're saying the Republicans are making it more difficult to qualify for unemployment benefits or other forms of public assistance. Well, for illegals, yeah. <laughs> then it says, and almost impossible to form labor unions. That's not true either. Have you seen the size of labor unions, particularly teachers' unions? So that's not happening either. They're talking about right to work laws. Then he says, and they're passing bounty laws enforced not by governments, which can be sued in federal court, but by rewards to private citizens for filing lawsuits on issues ranging from classroom speech to abortions to vaccinations. Bounty laws. Have you ever heard that before? There's a bounty. That's like a bounty on somebody's head. You know, a bounty on an animal means you turn the animal and you get, you get money for killing it. So that's what a bounty is, or a bounty is like on, on somebody, a felon to bring him back to justice. What do you mean a bounty law? That's a strange terminology. Anyway, then he says blue states are moving in the opposite direction. Well, obviously. Several, including Colorado and Vermont, are codifying a right to abortion, even though there is no right to abortion. Some are helping cover abortion expenses for out-of-staters. Well, that's pretty absurd, too. Yet he thinks that's a virtue. Then he says, when Idaho proposed a ban on abortions that empowers relatives to sue anyone who helps terminate a pregnancy after six weeks, nearby Oregon, well, not that nearby, approved $15 million to help cover the abortion expenses of patients from other states. He says that, like, it's a good thing. It's a good thing states are paying for abortions. That's crazy. But that's how they think. Then he says, Maryland and Washington have expanded access and legal protections to out-of-state abortion patients. He spends a lot of time on abortion. One package of pending California bills would expand access to California abortions and protect abortion providers from out-of-state legal action. So what is the left's obsession with abortion, especially uh, black children? Has anybody ever found anything in, in writing from a leftist that really says why this is so important to them? I don't understand it. Well, I don't know. Maybe the left is uh, taking on their early on democratic racism. They want black women to uh, blacks to exterminate themselves, or want whites to exterminate themselves. Yeah. Well, I think they want Americans to exterminate themselves, and they want because I don't see. And I made this point yesterday. You don't see any Planned Parenthood abortion clinics on the southern border. You would think if this was a virtuous and good thing to do, that the first thing that uh, the left would do would be to encourage illegal aliens to have abortions. I mean, wouldn't that follow the pattern? Well, yeah, you should put those mobile abortion units down on the border. Yeah, one right border. You know, that would be one way to eliminate birthright citizenship, which we all know legally doesn't exist. 
And he spends the rest. Oh, then he comes, let's get the states right. I want to get to a different point. He says, what would, he says, well, what happened to the poor in red states who are disproportionately people of color? <laughs> oh, the poor in red states are disproportionately people of color? Well, I think some of the rich people in, in red states are, are people of color, too. But that's not what he says. He says, states' rights, let's get to this one. States' rights was always a cover for segregation and harsh discrimination. The poor, both black and white, both white and people of color. Isn't white a color? <laughs> saying, that, you know, saying that white and people of color is, is kind of absurd, really, because, you know, white being a color, unless I'm invisible. He says, states' rights was always a code for segregation and harsh discrimination. He says, the poor, both white and people of color, are already especially burdened by anti-abortion legislation because they can't afford travel to a blue state to get an abortion. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was getting away from abortion, but apparently not. This is really obsessed with it. So states' rights was a cover for segregation and harsh discrimination? How can states' rights be hard segregation? And it's not just the abortion issue. Let's see what else he says. Is that the only right they believe in? The abortion right? I'm trying to find more stuff here. Sound like it. I mean, actually, really, what else do they? What else? They can. You can sit at the lunch counter. You can swim in the swimming pool. So what else? Yeah. Well, it's it's just fascinating that when he the, the the number one right he talks about is abortion. He doesn't talk about free speech. He doesn't talk about religion. He doesn't talk about the right to redress your government for grievances. He doesn't talk about the right to peaceably assemble. He doesn't talk about, uh, you know, the freedom of religion. He doesn't even talk about separation of church and state, even though there isn't one. He doesn't talk about lobbying. He doesn't talk about the rights of the accused. He doesn't talk about the right of uh, soldiers not to be in your quarters, which is kind of an old one, but it's still there. He doesn't talk about the right of, uh, you know, non-self-incrimination. He doesn't talk about double jeopardy. You know, it doesn't talk about uh, a lot of things. It doesn't even mention democracy here much. All he talks about is abortion. That, that singular obsession, I don't understand. I need a really good leftist to explain to me why that is such a big deal. To me, it, it's like this evil that, you know, if, if, you, if someone makes a mistake, like in the first 24, 48 hours, you know, if they take a morning after pill, I'm not going to scream and yell at them. I mean, I, I'm not an absolutist. I don't, you know, as much as I do believe life begins at conception, I'm not going to condemn people that, that do something, you know, to end a pregnancy within like the first 48 hours. I've seen children books titled Mommy's Getting an Abortion. Black See, children book. Yeah. See, now the normalizing of abortion is something that is absolutely criminal. Where, where, let's talk about this for a second because I've sort of been pondering this question too. Where do you think most Americans are? on abortion. If you had to pick conception to birth, most Americans will tolerate terminating a pregnancy at some point. That point's changing because of ultrasound. But I think Americans, for the most part, even though they don't like abortion, will still tolerate, you know, a certain point. What do you think? I tell you, Greg, it's uh, hard to say. You know, uh, really. I mean, well, let me run it through. How you were looking at? Yeah, if, let me run it through. Okay, so let me run it through. If a woman, if a woman believes that Jesus was coming back into the world through the womb, well, he's been aborted many, many times. That's very possible. That that wouldn't surprise me. So is abortion wrong? Yes. 
you know, do we as a society absolutely, I don't know what you see. This is, well, let me, let me tell, you know, without getting, because my, I don't know, I pretty much express my personal view that it's something that if you can, if it's, if it's an emergency situation in like a, a like a 24, 48 hour period, I'm not going to condemn somebody for ending a pregnancy at that point. I think what it really comes down to is what people think of as a person. Yes, there's almost like the separation between life and a person. Yes, life begins because sperm are alive and eggs are alive. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to produce human beings. However, there's a point when cells are dividing and there's a point when there's a person. And I think that's a question people wrestle with. They don't want to abort babies, but they don't mind ending you know, a few cells. And the big lie, we've talked about this on the show before, the big lie was always the left said, well, it's not a baby, it's just a group of cells. You're not aborting a person, you're just aborting some cells. And I think a lot of people believe that, including me, because we didn't have any evidence to the contrary, right? Um, and so then ultrasound comes out, and maybe 20, 30 years or whenever ultrasound came out. And all of a sudden people are saying, well, wait a minute, we thought that was a couple of cells. And the people find out that babies are actually developing a whole lot sooner. I think people are, are able to tolerate the idea of abortion if they don't think that a baby's being hurt. If there's not a pain involved, if, not, if you're not killing a person, if it's just you know, taking a, a bunch of cells. But now that that definition has changed and that time has moved up incredibly, I think there's a lot more support for the 15 weeks or even earlier, the heartbeat bills and things like that. You don't want to, you know, some, if the baby has a heartbeat, that's a baby. You know, even before it has a heartbeat, it's still a baby. So now we're talking about you know, a living being. And where's that point? You know, when do cells become a baby? It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, we can't really define that, but I think that's what most Americans are. In other words, if you're on the cell side, if it's just a few cells, if, it's just, if, it's, if the conception has just taken place, I think most Americans go, okay, if you have to have an abortion, that's the time to do it. But we don't like it anyway. But I think most Americans, but once you get beyond a certain point, once the baby starts developing, they're like, nope, you're too late. <laughs> you know, adoption, you know, something else. I think that's where most Americans are. I'm just well, yeah, but then you ask them a question about intelligent design. Right. The ones before abortion, just ask them, so what, do you believe in intelligent design or do you believe in evolution? Well, unless – It then depends on who you're talking to. Design. If I'm talking yeah. to blacks, I say, well, you know, I don't care if black women kill all their babies. I just ask that they follow the law. That's what you should do one time. When you're talking to somebody black about abortion, tell them, say, well, I really, if a black woman want to kill all their babies, go ahead, but just abide by the law. Then they're going to look at you strange. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, you know, that, uh, and the laws sometimes can be wrong. You know, laws in liberal states that allow abortion after birth are wrong. I mean, I think uh, the vast majority of Americans would agree with it, except they're radical abortionists. And I'm not sure what their fascination is with this. But um, but I think that, like I say, I think most people, as long as it's not a baby, as long as it's not going to feel pain, as long as we're talking literally, you know, several dividing cells, I think most people would say, okay. Well, that's not the way it is. Because no, uh, Warmack, the, uh, Senate, Senator, the Senate candidate in Georgia, he mm-hmm. he uh, supports abortion through, through the ninth month. Yeah, see, that's crazy. Well, and, and here's another question that the, the left uh, should be asked. If before abortions in the ninth month, when babies can survive in what, the fourth month now, 
I mean, we've got science and medical technology is so good. So we're, we're taking Herculean – this is how crazy our society is. We're taking Herculean efforts to save babies, you know, at the absolute beginning of life when they can be saved. You know, 20 – was it 20 weeks, I think? I mean, I'm not a, you know, a, a gynecologist or an obstetrician. But I think 20 – somewhere in the 2024 20, week I've heard, okay? So we're able to save babies at that point, and these people want to terminate babies? They're almost born? Oh, what it is, it's worse than that. Because in the ninth month, in order to give the abortion, the abortion has to occur in the womb. You have to go in with the scissors and then cut them up in the womb, pull out the piece. That's what I'm going to tell you. It's a haunted house. Yeah, no, I actually agree with you. If it come out live, living, you got to do everything Herculean efforts to keep it alive. So that's why you got to kill it in the womb. Cut so it up. What kind of to kill it? You got to destroy it piece by piece in the womb and pull out a leg, pull out an arm. So how do people wrap themselves around the idea that this is okay? That a baby that would have been born within minutes anyway, instead of being you know late term aborted, that's kind of a misnomer too. What you know? Why wouldn't you just give birth and have an adoption? What is it about killing the baby that is so important to these people, even if it's at the absolute last minute? Do they just not want the baby to come back in 20 years and ask them, how come you, you know, why, you know, I mean, it's one thing to explain to your, to your biological kid, you know, why they were put up for adoption, but how do you explain, you know, you know, at the pearly gates that, uh, that you did an abortion, you know, five minutes before they were born? How do you, and the left, but the left thinks that's okay. I don't understand how they think that's okay. Especially these days. Well, when you at the pearly gates, you're going to have these, Angel babies flying around, missing legs, missing arms, missing half the head crushed in. Yeah. You're going to have to face them at the pearly gates. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, this is uh, See, yeah. this is the way you fight. You're talking about a civil war. Well, that's part of the warfare. you got to lay things out, be blunt and factual. Yeah. You can't be trying to uh, sugarcoat it. Tell it like it is. Black woman, if yeah. you if, look, look, man, if your black woman want to abort all their babies, go ahead. Just abide by the state law. You know, I see your point on that, too. And, and you can still criticize and condemn and, and do anything you want. But people do have the right to do what the law says they have the right to do. So that's why we have laws. That's why it's so important to write the laws that, uh, that we consent to be governed by, the laws that make sense and lobby for them. But if we're going to fight this civil these war, these are people. These are same people that uh, high five and saying their white population is declining. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because the white population, well, the white population is declining for two reasons: one, white people aren't having as many babies, and two, the people that are being led into this country are not white. Is it, well, here's a question for you. This would be interesting to ponder. What if we had a radical Democrat? no border, no wall policy, but they only let in white people as illegal aliens. So you had plenty of Irish and uh, Ukrainian and uh, I don't know, where else is a bunch of white people? Australians, you know, and then just, uh, you know, Europeans, uh, Chechnyans, you had, you know, Muslim white people. Uh, so so it, it'd be interesting, would, you know, would they do that? Of course they wouldn't. Well, Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas, Steve Harvey, and uh, what was the doctor's name? Uh, the who was head of human resources? The uh, 
person that does uh, what was it, the one oh, that was Carson. on the Trump? Ben, ben Carson. Carson. They skin is black, right? Yeah. But they hate them. Yeah, you got groups of blacks that hate them. Well, I thought you what said you Herman, wanted Herman Herman blacks in position. I think Herman Cain's wife was white, and so was Herman uh, Cain was but Herman Cain was black. Well, why do you hate him? I don't hate him. Clear, but why do people hate him? Well, no, no, we're not you. I'm talking about. I'm yeah, talking I, I, about I, I, these I, I, these CNN uh, that yeah. always get the CNN like like the Al Sharpton. He, he was on CNN. Why do you hate those blacks? I thought you said you wanted to have blacks in places to represent you. And what's more diverse than an interracial marriage? If you believe in diversity. So what it is then, in some cases of the argument, is the skin color. In some cases of the argument, is the political views. If your political views are not mine, and if you're black, I hate you. So, so part of the civil war then, this, uh, this ideological civil war, this, in, this uh, so-called intellectual civil war, this political civil war that we're talking about, we're up against people that, that preach diversity, can't stand interracial marriage. And is it, how, do you re, how do they reconcile the fact that they think that, that, that blacks have no power, whites have all the power, so why would a black man marry a white woman? Why would he, as a, as a black man of no power, you know, marry a white woman who has all the power? Which women, uh, black women, detest. Oh. Which black men detest Serena Williams marrying a white man. This is actually a really interesting topic because as we go forward with this potential civil war here, part of the ideology is that it's really more views of race. What's that? Can, do you do you realize what they're doing? See, Serena Williams and her sister Venus had a strong father, a strong black father. Uh-huh. So she couldn't find no black male that meet the same attributes that her father had, and she found it in a white male. So here's the question. What's going to happen to so-called black culture and white culture in this country with all these interracial marriages. So you get a few generations down, you know, and uh, what, we're all going to be brown <laughs> or something. I've heard, or beige. Wasn't that, the, that's like the big insight. I'm reading this article. America's going to be beige one day because the, because the Asian, black, white, native American, American Indian, you know, folks are all going to kind of merge into beige. <laughs> and they talked about that as being a horrible thing. So the more, so, is it the fact that the more interracial marriages there are, the more people really do start to look the same, the less they can use identity identity politics because we're, we're it's talking fight. It's going It should fade away. It's just yeah. like uh, Khadija Brown, the, uh, the, uh, the female black Supreme Court judge. She's married right. to a white male. So now here's, the question. here's another question. So are leftists who are interracially married treated differently by the left than Republican conservatives who are interracially married? <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, really, that well, would have to be. If, if, you'd have to if Judge Jackson, who shouldn't be on the Supreme Court because she's ideologically unqualified to be there. So Judge Jackson, a leftist, Marxist leftist, you know, is married to a white man. She's black. You know, is she, and how is she treated and then you've got Clarence Thomas, who's a black man married to a white woman. So they condemn well, Clarence Thomas. Well, you don't Thomas know how. 
you really you really don't know how left is she gonna be until she start ruling. But I'm saying this, if she started well, ruling towards the right, you know what the excuse is gonna be, right? Oh well she's well, married it's, it's pillow talk. White guy she's been yeah, a white guy doctor. That's fascinating. I this is actually a really good article it turns out because it's so opposed to everything we believe. Let me give you a little bit more here. Uh see if I can find uh uh, abortion, 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 abortion. Oh, here we go. When will all this end? Not with two separate nations. What America is going through is analogous to Brexit, a lumbering mutual decision to go separate ways on most things but remain connected on a few big things such as national defense, monetary policy, and civil and political rights. Oh, I think there's a problem here. <laughs> okay. So what he really describes is the uniparty. Okay, so the uniparty. So in other words, he's dividing America firsters and leftists, and he's including the Republican Party and leftists. Listen, listen to this. this is, I don't even know if, you, if, if Robert Rice knew he did this. Think about this. If we're, if we're going to be a Brexit, but we agree on a few things, national defense, who agrees with, donate, with uh, you know, unlimited billions for Ukraine, Afghanistan, and Iraq? Republicans and Democrats, but most Americans don't. So we're not unified on that. He says we're unified on monetary policy. Monetary policy is the national debt and the Federal Reserve. Well, the Republicans and Democrats are unified on that, but the rest of us aren't. And how about civil and well, political rights? I heard, uh, I heard somebody complain. They said that uh, we talked about Trump's tax reform. Well, it just benefits his rich friends. You know, that's the most asinine statement that a person can make. Mm-hmm. So everyone that tax that's Trump's tax reform benefited is friends of him. Whereas the standardized deduction for married couples doubled. Yep. Well the exemptions went away. It actually was it was really more of a name change than anything else. And people forget that. That the the, uh, the deductions doubled but the exemptions went away. So instead of having an exemption and a deduction, you just have one deduction. But still it's pretty much the same amount. But that's not where the big change was. The changes were in the lowering of the rates, the lowering of the corporate tax, the lowering of, of income tax rates. That's where the big change was. Now, what's fascinating is that the, the, uh, the, the Democrat folks, you know, they think of, well, you can't benefit the rich people by lowering their taxes, even though rich pay most of the taxes in this country. At the same time, out of one side of the mouth, out of the other side of the mouth, they're saying, well, we have to forgive loans of the rich, <laughs> you know. Those student loans that aren't being paid back are, be, are not being paid back by the rich. We're talking 150 plus thousand dollars. Doctors, lawyers, people that had horrendous student loans, which they took out themselves. I don't agree. That's what the main reason I didn't become uh, or went to law school uh, when when I couldn't get into flight school <laughs> was I couldn't get the loans. For, I could have I could have taken the loans out and gone to law school, but I never wanted to have that financial burden, so I didn't do it. Turns out I'm doing legal stuff here every day. It's kind of fascinating. But look at this. So they don't. So they can't see that they're benefiting their rich friends by giving these so-called student loan forgiveness, which is really graduate student welfare for people who don't need it. They can't see that as benefiting their rich friends, whereas they criticize Trump for benefiting what they think are his rich friends, which are really people that are paying the most taxes anyway. They're people that are actually paying the taxes. Yeah, that's just some of the thinking that they have. Then they want to claim everything everything whose skin is not lily white. Everyone whose skin is not milk white, they want to claim them as black. 
And look at Kanye well, West. Kanye West is the richest black man in the country. He's worth about six million, six billion dollars or so on paper. Wow! But when he makes the statement, mm-hmm. "White lives matter," yeah, and he's ridiculed. See, here's the thing: ideological That's thinking. Right. Okay. So ideological thinking comes about due to right. many factors, and one is your economic exactly. position. As this man goes further up in the economic scale, well, he's not going to dwell with those that he probably grew up with. It don't make sense to. No, I agree. He take yeah, on whole new bodies. I heard him interviews. Now, I actually listened to some of his music. I'm not crazy about his music just because I'm not a big rap fan. So to me, uh, the lyrics are interesting. Uh, he, but he, pers- on a personal level, personal level, he's fascinating. He's a really interesting guy. I mean, I'd love to have him on the show. You know, that would be... Yeah, he's fabulous. What's that? Yes, he's fabulous. During Katrina, he made the, he made the stage of standing up on a, a stage with the... Mm-hmm. I can't think of the guy. He said, black, Bush don't care about black people. And, uh, <laughs> Jamie Foxx. I think it was Jim, Jamie Foxx. I'm not sure. The yeah. white guy that's leading the... Huh? I'm going to try and contact him. I'm going to try and contact Kanye West because I, I saw him with, uh, with Tucker Carlson. He's fascinating. He actually, first of all, if you if you didn't see a picture of him, you'd, you'd never know just by listening to his voice whether he was black or white. He has a very neutral voice. Well, he's a business. He's got a business mind. Right. A lot of them do. Uh, you take Lil Wayne, he's got a business mind. Uh-huh. Floyd Mayweather, although he can't, he was, he was, uh, couldn't read, you know, but he but he took his talents to make the money that he has, and he's got a business mind. The one guy called yep. 50 Cent, he's got a business mind. Funny they all get, but see, they use where they are to uh, achieve that capital, the capital that they need to take them further, and that's what they do. Now, hmm. I'm saying this. Uh, when you was in the quote-unquote hood, and you develop some friends, just send them postcards. You don't need to go back there. You need to walk <laughs> away from there. Because yeah, so those people happened. would drag you down into the abyss, and that's what they're doing. Had, yeah, he never had a hood accent because he was a military brat. So his father was in the military. He lived all over the world, wherever his father was stationed. So he never, And his father didn't have a, quote, urban black-sounding accent. So he, never, he didn't grow up with that. Which is quite fascinating. That's another reason. You know, it's like you know. Well, here's the question too: Do you have to sound black enough to be black? In other words, if you're a black person that that speaks more of a neutral or you know, dare I say white accent, um, well, sound that, has two oh, different meanings. Okay. Sound has sound has what you uh, it has the vocal meaning, but it also what you're saying is what you sound like. So when Candace Owens says that. White Lives Matter. Uh, when uh, when Kanye West say that Blue Lives Matter, hmm. that yeah. has nothing to do with your vocalization. That has to do with what you're saying. That you okay. got those on the other side that don't agree with. Well, I wonder how perception changes. Say say we had someone on the show uh, who was not that well known, um, but you didn't know what color they were. And people found out that they were either black or white or, or made an assumption one way or the other. How much difference would that make? 
it makes a lot of difference because those with trained ears would know what they're hearing. Yeah. See, I yeah. can listen I to people sound, and listen to the comments white. that they make. Yeah, yeah I, I can listen have, to people and listen white, to the comments right? they make. Yeah. Do I sound white? Your comments you make, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do the Righteous Brothers sound white? Um, no. <laughs> I thought they were black. I'll be honest. I didn't know they were white guys. You never close your eyes anymore. When it, yeah. You know, that Precious Melody, that's how he's singing that. That sounds that he sound white when he's singing that. Hell no. 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 Uh, the animals. That was, but, uh, that how for the Rising Sun, do they sound white? No. no, what's the other guy's name? I can't think well, they're of also name, British. But... It gets worse. They're British. They're not even American. <laughs> so it's fascinating. You know, Eric Bird and the Animals was a British group. British Invasion. They don't even sound British. <laughs> it gets worse. You ever hear Billy Idol sing and then hear him talk? It's like singers lose their accents. You know, he'll sing like Rebel Tina Yell. Tina Marie? Who? I'm not sure who that is. I've heard the name. Tina Marie. Hmm. Is she black or is she white? Until you see. So, no, there's two different things when you say sound like. Sound like okay. is the vocalization, one thing. Right. Then sound like is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, if you hadn't seen Ben Carson, you know, I, I, people wouldn't assume. I guess, now, do people assume that they're listening to someone of the same color? I don't really think about that too much. But oh, I used you know, to have people accuse me of people who used to misjudge me as being white years ago. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest here. You don't sound white. <laughs> you know, I listen to your accent. If I did not know you well, were because, black, I would, I would because, guess it just because, by listening to you. Yeah, because the ears have evolved. Because right. uh, now you have the ability to put a face to the verbiage. Back in those times, you didn't. You didn't have no video phones. It's not the verbiage. It's actually the quality of your voice. Black voices sound I tell different. You, I, went to, I tell you, one time I went to, uh, I was working in Detroit on a construction uh-huh. project, and I needed a place to okay. stay. I looked in the paper, and I found a rooming house. And I talked to yep. the lady, this white woman, talked to her on the phone. Uh-huh. So when I got there and knocked on the door, and she opened the door, you should have seen the expression on her face. She said, oh, no. <laughs> But what was she expecting? You know, like John Wayne or something? I guess she was expecting she was ex- – see, I'm from the Midwest. That's way up north. Okay. And it's different. And plus, I was <laughs> using – because of my environment I grew up on, my dialect was not like the dialect of others in uh, other areas in the quote-unquote black community. Okay. So I had black people even say that I thought you yeah. was a white person. No, I I, can't, I knew right away, but uh, and then I saw a picture of you. It was interesting. She's sheer real character. You're you're a curmudgeon, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But we all that's another thing about radio too. We all form pictures. I I literally had one of the guys here in town, uh, Quinn Studer. He's a big industrialist. He owns the hospitals. You know, made a whole bunch of money, and he used to put on this thing called Civicon. And it was about strong towns and, you know, keeping big highways out of your downtown historic districts like we're trying to do here. And he was on my show, but he never met me. 
And so I, when I met him at, at one of these Civicon conferences, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Greg Penglis. You're on my show last week. He looks at me and says, no, you're not. Said, what do you mean I'm not? I said, yeah, I am. Trust me, it's me. No, nah, I can't be you. Why can't it be me? Well, you don't look like you sound. <laughs> so apparently I don't look like I sound. I have, uh, I have black board. down here, like in the store checkout line. Yeah. And then after, you know, I always flirt with women. And they say, you know, you're not from, you're not from down here, are you? And no, I'm not. <laughs> well, how about Josie's voice? Is there any doubt in your mind that Josie's Latina? Yes. No. It's well, I, I can tell she's Latina. The yeah. Way she, the, the way she, the words. So she that's say. not a bad thing. You know, I, I'm not talking about this in terms of being a bad thing that you can identify somebody's background by their voice. You know, you can. I can tell a French person by their accent. If a French person speaks English, I can tell they're French immediately. This is, but it's just an interesting way to judge. But in terms of the Civil War that we're talking about, the coming Civil War, and we never got to well, who's running the country. I think we established that as uh, we did that another day. But this is quite fascinating. Um, but the, but it, this is what we're up against, though. When we talk about the left, they're thinking groups. They're thinking, like we say, everything from interracial marriage. They're, they're, they're obsessed with abortion to the exclusion of almost everything else. Uh, and that is like bringing this in city. Country to the it's, but yeah, it's, look at the city council member in Los Angeles where the one uh, Martinez had to resign because of what the, they said that she said in a conversation with a group was racist. But she said it in her own language. I don't know if it was racist or not. She used words yeah. in their language. I think one word was um, was definition was little monkey. Oh, I see. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. You know, thinking too, remember we had uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel on? She's from Cameroon. She has an accent. <laughs> you know, she's, she's almost hard to understand sometimes. Oh, yes, yeah, she is. I've seen cases where uh, in a school district, normally a school district in the high school, that mm-hmm. parents didn't want their child, their children to be in the classroom with this one uh, Nigerian teacher. They say his accent is too strong. He's black. Well, yeah, some Nigerian accents are pretty strong. Well, how about South African white people? Their accents really strong too. You know, the the Afrikaans, the 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 Dutch-based, uh, you know, uh, South African accent. That's pretty hard to understand too sometimes. Yeah, and, and then the people can <laughs> contemplate that somebody with white skin is African. Just yeah. like recently, Nigeria said that no uh, foreign actresses or actors would would uh, be uh, you know displayed. On advertisement. Yeah. So the first well, thing but, some of the some of the first thing some of the blacks said, well, that's good. There won't be no whites acting in Nigeria. What they yeah. don't understand the, is that you have white Nigerians. What What's the population of white Nigerians? Five percent, ten percent? Do you know? Well, reg- I'm sure. Well, I don't know what the percentage is, but Zambia had a white vice president. Yeah, we talked about Fujimori. Is uh, Argentina had a Japanese ancestry uh, president? Remember Fujimori from Argentina? <laughs> yeah, that really throws people. Yeah. All right. So here's the point, though. If we get back to uh, how this nation is divided up, the left literally sees everything in terms of skin color and group. And here's another one too. When they talk about and they and they, they believe these huge lies that like the election was honorable and people who lie about it. Who people say who who think differently are lying about it. So they're defending things that are they're defending lies, and they're defending to the death their their own lies. 
of voter suppression and elections and things like that. It's really quite fascinating. I don't know how they twist their minds to do it, but there's some serious brain twisting going on. Here's another one it talks about, too. He says that uh, in recent polls, this is Robert Rice, former Secretary of Labor under, under Bill Clinton. He says, in recent polls, American voters ranked threats to democracy as the most important issue facing the country. And, well, now, now, a conservative wouldn't say that because a conservative doesn't think we're a democracy and knows we're a republic. So whenever the left talks about threats to democracy, that's a contradiction in itself because the, this country, this, this whole country is a threat to democracy because we're not a democracy. We've always been a threat to democracy. Who the hell wants a democracy? That's like one of the worst systems on earth because it always leads to socialism, communism, fascism, and Nazism. They get voted in. I don't want a democracy. I want individual rights declared in a constitution and a limited government. That's what a republic is. Two totally different forms of government. Yet that, so, but we have to fight people to think democracy is a good thing, even though it's a terrible thing. Then it said, yeah, so recent polls Americans voted uh, threats to democracy as the most important issue facing the country at a time, here we go, there's a liberal again, at a time of climate collapse, inflation, and a pandemic. This is a remarkable statement on the fragility of America's fundamental rights and freedoms. Now, you pointed this out the other day, God-given versus fundamental, right? So what's a fundamental right? So what's a a fundamental right as opposed to a God-given right? This is an ideological battle, right? Well, fundamentals is based on performance, basically, uh, like like it is in stocks. You have certain fundamentals. You got the earnest per share. You got... The uh, capital, the, the the float, the capital. Mm-hmm. So, but the God-given rights is uh, is something that you can't touch. I mean, that's where you were born. Yep, a well, newborn kitten. How do a newborn kitten a kitten know to hiss at you and and uh, and bow its back? That's funnel. That's God-given. That's instinctive. I think that's different than fundamental. Fundamental means the basic level. Instinctive means a, a subconscious level. And God-given means a separate level, separate from government. So let's explore this a little bit because I think we're on to something here too. See, people give the well, people they give away God-given they rights the before there ever was government. Human well, beings exactly. had those rights, those traits. A human being, so if he was attacking it, it would pick a club up to defend itself. But they talk about America's fundamental rights and freedoms, not Americans with an N. So they're not talking about Americans. They're talking about Americas. In other words, the nation of America has fundamental rights and freedoms, not individual Americans. That, to me, is fascinating. That's an ideological battle, part of our civil war. Oh, it is. Okay. So fundamental rights. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. That's what... I mean, that's the difference. And we have to make emphasis, put emphasis on it. It's just like you use the word organic rather than uh, fossil fuels. Yep. Total change of perception. See, this is what, see, I recognize words are important. Mark Levin spends time. He recognizes words are important. A lot of people don't realize. This is what I analyze. When I analyze. Let me give you an example. And I analyze writing. I analyze writing. I look very specifically at the words, the tenses, the commas, the apostrophes. I look at everything because people don't realize me, how much you, they give away. Let me give you an example where people are just dumb. Oh, feel free. All well drilling. Some of those drills go down 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 feet. 
So you right. mean to tell me that dinosaurs roam 2,000 feet below the present surface? That's saying that the Earth was about the size of a marble. Yeah, how did and then somebody came back? along and piled a bunch of dirt on it. Well, actually, though, there is. The continents have flipped over each other, and they have uh, submerged. They've done all kinds of things. How did, how did seashells get up in the Sierra Mountains in California, 10,000 feet high? That was landed at one point. It was because the, the water ocean. level was that high. <laughs> um, no, no, no. <laughs> it's because the land moved. You know, but that's a different thing. But that's interesting. It's a good point. So, so con- continents move. I mean, I lived along the San Andreas Fault, which is the division between the Pacific Plate and the North American Plate. And the Pacific Plate's moving north, no, I believe. North American Plate's moving south. No, maybe I could have it back. Yeah, anyway, one plate's moving north, the other if, if you, south. If yeah. you're drilling for oil in Siberia, mm-hmm. so dinosaurs lived in that cold climate? Um, not when it was cold. Dinosaurs don't like cold. They're reptiles. They're cold-blooded. They couldn't live in You Siberia. know, the whole earth was a big snowball at one time, right? So here's the question then: Did the meteor, did a meteorite change the climate, or did the first ice age kill off the dinosaurs? I never thought about that until just now. Well, I don't think dinosaurs was living when you had the, you know, when you had the ice ages, you had the, uh, you had ice that was over a mile thick, mm-hmm. over yeah. a mile high. Yosemite uh, Park in California, Yosemite National Park, which should be a state park, um, is half dome was carved out by a glacier, and it's like three, four thousand feet up. That's 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 why some civilization did not begin above a certain latitude because it's not conducive to mammals, which we are. It has to produce around equatorial. It has to start around the equatorial range, and that's what anthropologists. Yeah. People lived through the Ice Age, but they didn't advance. I think you had Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon Man was around during the last Ice Age, 50,000 some odd years ago. But it wasn't until we got modern Homo sapiens with a, with a warmer climate. And the question is, are we going to, is humanity going to survive the next Ice Age, especially with all the people in the world? Well, Homo a- sapiens, almost all, all the uh, species of humanists began on the equatorial region. Right. That's where they began. Because the ice age was didn't come down age? below a certain latitude. Yeah, but it was before the. But they've had several ice ages during that time. Because if you figure, man is what, like a million years old or something. How old is Peking man, or or Australopithecus, or old of I go? Australopithecus was ape-like. Okay, so what the first Australopithecus both was they and Robustus was ape-like. But what I'm saying is that the edge of the ice did not come down below no. a certain magnitude because of the sun. Right. But there weren't that many people then. Now you try and squish 8 billion people in an ice age into the middle latitudes, most of which is ocean. I don't know if I want to be around for that. Yeah, so human uh, human life as we know it today would have been uh, developed in the equatorial ranges in Africa. I mean, everybody was came to that conclusion. But it, and it developed after the last ice age, or it advanced. It, it developed. didn't really make any progress until the ice age, until we got through through the, the last ice age. Yeah, you look it at, developed as people began to wander around. That's what it was. Yeah. They wandered. Well, we should, well, it's interesting. We've got uh, Jesus Christ was around 2,000 years ago, 2,200. 
you know, the, the Chinese and Korean and Japanese civilizations go back about 7,000 years. The last ice age was about 50,000 years. You know, so you've got, we, we've talked to uh, Chief Dan, we're talking about the Creek tribe being in this country about 60,000 years. So we've got a lot of history that we really haven't covered. Modern history is what? Since the, since the, the, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, you know, the, our history really began probably with the Renaissance. And that's the 1500s. Well, see, Chief Dan, Chief Dan is of a group that migrated coming out of Asia across the Barren Strait. Well, actually, they didn't need to go across well, They would have came out. They would have been. Yeah. They would have came out of Asia. You are what you are where you just came from. Right. Then you settled he and evolved into from something Mexico. else. Yeah, he says they came out from Mexico. Um, but that well, they're not the indigenous because it was indigenous people that was here before Indians got here. Indians okay. is are not indigenous. They were migrants. Right. So who are the indigenous people? Well, you go down and look at the Aztecs and the Mayans. Okay, so I was right on that. Incas? Incas, Aztecs, Mayans, Taino. Of them, the big bad wolf was the Aztecs. They were the warrior, warring type. Right. And they killed. Yeah. This is an interesting discussion. So... <laughs> So as this country has developed, there have been several different uh, evolutions of people, you know, from Incas, Aztecs, and Mayans to uh, migratory who became uh, American Indians to the white Europeans. This is quite fascinating. And now we you know how uh, you can tell because they because they migrated close to the ocean where they got their food source from. They came down the west coast and across the southern edge, the Gulf. Mm -hmm where they could get their food source from. Then later yeah. on, you had some that came down the middle who became yeah. plainsmen, and they had to follow herds of buffalo. Which there were. Source. That's interesting, too. One of the most one of the, the, the places I want to explore more is Polynesia, Pacific Islanders. Um, one of the most fascinating places. I took my kid when we lived in California. We went to Oahu, and we went to the Polynesian Cultural Center. We spent a whole day there. Saw the show at night. It was fabulous. I learned how to make fire with a stick and a piece of wood. Uh, it was fun. Well, we learned how to do that as Boy Scouts. Well, I know, but that's what I learned. I didn't learn the Boy Scouts. And you know, the funny thing about that, uh -huh. that's simple, but you know where the first fire came from is when somebody uh, picked up a piece of hot coal from a volcano eruption and ran to the village. Or a lightning strike. Well, yeah, that's lightning strike. Yeah, so I mean, it could have been either one. Yeah. Anyway, Polynesian culture is fascinating. Oh, like, you know, and how these how these island folks form, and all from Tahiti to Hawaii to uh, Marshall Islands, the, uh, the the Seychelles, the some of the other places out there. It's fascinating. You know, you had a a very interesting guest on last week, and we was talking about science and what he what he was a science teacher. Oh, Mike but he was very interesting because he was very factual the way things were. We had good yeah. science teachers, our science lessons on uh, physical science, earth science, and also biology was so much seemingly to me advanced than what children are exposed to today. 
Now, Mike's going to be on every week. I like having him on. I thought about it. Actually, I thought about it during the show. I came to a rather quick conclusion that uh, he should come on and, uh, and and keep joining us on Fridays. I like Friday science. It was fun. We had a great discussion. So, yeah, he's, he'll be back this Friday and hopefully most Fridays until until he's had enough. But, uh, yeah, let me go back to this term fundamental because I want to get about 10 – yeah, I don't know. We, we can run overtime. I don't want to run too much overtime today. But if you look at fundamental, it talks about forming a necessary base or core of central importance, the protection of fundamental human rights. <laughs> That's an interesting example, right? An interpretation of evidence is fundamental to the historian's craft. That's not true either. You, you need to find out what really happened. Don't interpret. And this is affecting or relating to the essential nature of something or the crucial point about an issue. Then it says, so basic as to be hard to alter, resolve, or overcome. So that's fundamental. Now, I find it interesting that these folks, that Robert Reich, the leftist, uses the term fundamental rights and freedoms for America as opposed to individual rights and freedoms for Americans, Americans, the citizens, the individual citizens. He never says individual at any point in the thing. I don't see the word individual anywhere. But I find it fascinating. Well, you know, it depends on – it depends on the error of the dictionary because in the Webster's fifth edition, the definition for gorilla is West African female. What? Gorilla? Yes, sir. In your, in your school library, those real big old thick that, uh, dictionary, you're probably looking at a fourth or maybe a fifth edition of Webster, and you go in there and start looking at the definition of words like gorilla. Uh, would be a West African female. Interesting. Wow. Well, you look at well-regulated, that means well-equipped. You know, when we talk about a well-regulated militia, it doesn't mean a government-controlled militia. It means a, a civilian army of folks that are uh, regulated like infantry soldiers. The Ku Klux Klan was a Christian organization. Was it what kind of organization? Christian organization is defined. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a weird branch of Christianity. I don't remember, uh, you know, I, I don't see the church of uh, Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Anyway, let me, the, the, another thing the left talks about in our, in our ideological civil war with them, uh, they talk about threats to democracy. That's a big thing with them. You know, in other words, the threat to the, if you challenge their climate change nonsense, that's a threat to democracy. If you question the election that they stole, that's a threat to democracy. If you challenge anything about what they think or believe, if you, if, you, uh, if you say that abortion is not a right, that's a threat to democracy. They put everything in terms of democracy. In other words, the people voting, one over half, there's something, you know, just as abortion is sacred to them, this idea that one over half, a democracy that can make any decision for any people, and which can be influenced, of course, by everybody, that that's the, that's the greatest way to run a society that you make really good decisions with one over half, which means one less than half, disagree. That's not to me a good decision. That's 51% control 49%. Say that again? 51% control 49%. Exactly. And so that's why I wanted to make that point really clearly. So in other words, 49% have no rights in a democracy because the rights are determined by the 51%. And in a republic... You can be one person, you know, if you were the only person exercising Second Amendment rights, it would not change the right for anybody. Whereas in a democracy, you wouldn't have a right at all because it would be voted away. And people need to understand that difference. So, so whereas they consider, you know, conservatives and, uh, and Republicans and the Republic a threat to democracy, I consider democracy a threat to the United States and to individual rights. 
because in a democracy, your rights can be voted away. So one of the big arguments we're going to have in our intellectual civil war with the left is that not only is, is that their, quote, threat to democracy, their democracy is the threat. They are a threat to us with their democracy. Because in a democracy, we don't have America. America is not a democracy. It can't exist as a democracy. Constitutional rights cannot exist in a democracy because they can be voted away. There's nothing, there's nothing permanent or fundamental about something that can be voted away. So when they talk about the fragility of America's fundamental rights and freedoms in a democracy, there is nothing fundamental about a democracy because it can be changed any time. They don't understand right. that. Or do they understand that yeah. they don't care? They don't. They they just ignorant to it, and actually ignorant, teetering on the verge of stupidity. Yeah, because every time I hear the term democracy, I scream and yell. It's like you people don't understand. You have no trial in a democracy. There's a reason that a jury has to have a, a unanimous vote. That's a republic. If the jury voted by majority, you'd have a hell of a lot more convictions, because all you need is seven to five votes on a jury and a person could be executed. Well, what if five people believe they're innocent? Well, sorry, democracy, bye. So there's no greater threat to individual rights and the rights of the accused than a democracy. A lynch mob is a democracy, right? Well, yeah, everybody agreed that we need to hang this sucker. Yeah, no evidence, <laughs> no vote. No trial, no established procedure, no due process, no arraignment, no grand jury, no no uh, jury at all. They just yeah. They just, Jesus crucifixion was right? a democracy. Say that again. <laughs> Jesus crucifixion was a democracy. They chose Barabbas, Barabbas over Jesus. There you go. All right. So well, I'm getting ready to get out of here. Okay, I'll be, I'll be out of here, too. I'm just going to finish the last couple of paragraphs. I'll be done. I want to finish this article. This has been fascinating. Thanks, Bianchi. Appreciate the debate or discussion. Thank or whatever you. Whatever we did. There you are. Mm-hmm. So, so just to finish this, so I, I make a complete thought here. The last little bit, I'll just comment on this briefly, then I'll, I'll take off myself because this has been a great day. And I don't like talking to my cell phone because I feel I have to talk louder. But for those that don't know what happened, if you're listening live, uh, the power cut out partway through my show. And so I had to uh, restart it. And they would, it wouldn't let me connect my microphone again, so I had to uh, dial back in. And here I am. Maybe I'll try taking the mic out and plugging it back in and see if that works differently. All right. So the last little bit, he says, the country, this is Robert Reich, former Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton. Uh, he says, the country is seeing a dizzying number of assaults on democracy, from draconian abortion bans to a record number of book bans. Who's going to vote? Politicians who spread lies and sought to, do, to delegitimize the 2020 election are pursuing offices that will put them in control of the country's election machinery, which is exact because the, the Democrats want to be in charge of the election machinery. So this is kind of funny. Then it says, uh, and then it says uh, meanwhile, the Supreme Court is enforcing its own agenda on abortion, which is not true, guns, they're enforcing the Second Amendment, and environmental protection. That's not true either. Often an opposite to public opinion. So this is another thing they say too. So you hear from the left a lot of times, democracy and public opinion. You're going against public opinion. Well, in a republic, that doesn't matter because the the minority have rights. The individual has rights. So public opinion really is irrelevant. I mean, it's interesting to note, but in terms of your own life, public opinion is irrelevant. If public opinion was that all guns should be done away with, all guns can't be done away with. 
because even if only one person or even if nobody wanted to exercise the Second Amendment rights, we'd still have a God-given right to defense, and the government couldn't touch it. So that's the difference between a Republican and a democracy. You really need to understand that. So we're really fighting. A lot of this civil war that we're really fighting is between a, a democracy and a republic. And a republic is guaranteed to us by Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. We are guaranteed a republican form of government. I wish they would, I wish they would have just said a republic because it sounds so much like the Republican Party. So there we go. So the last little bit here. It says, meanwhile, the Supreme Court is enforcing. Okay, there we go. It says, with so much on the line, journalism that relentlessly reports the truth, uncovers injustice, and exposes misinformation is absolutely essential. This is fascinating, too. I wish we had Pianchi for this last little bit of discussion. Journalism. Okay, so journalism is supposed to be objective. Well, there's nothing objective about journalism from the left. It's pure propaganda. This is journalism that relentlessly reports the truth. Well, they don't do that. Uncovers injustice. Well, that depends on what you mean by injustice. I think a stolen election is injustice. I think pushing a bogus climate change is, in, is injustice. I think a bunch of mandates for an experimental snake oil jab and the lockdowns and the school closures and everything else that happened under COVID was injustice. And where was the journalism on that? It was censored. Why? Because in the next part of the sentence, he says, and exposes misinformation. So who's to determine what's misinformation? See, that's the problem. So in order to determine what's misinformation, you have to be in control of information. And if you're in control of information, you can't possibly have a democracy. You certainly can't have a republic. But that's one of the requirements of the left is the control of the information. Because the only way you can determine what's misinformation and punish people for giving what they call misinformation is because you're in control of the information. And if you're in control of the information, that's not journalism. That's dictatorship. So this is where it gets complicated. This is where it gets very interesting. And then it says, uh, we need your support to help for, to power it. Unlike many others, the Guardian has not. Okay, so it talks about, so it's fundraising for the Guardian. But that's basically it. Um, I think we've uncovered a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm going to keep these articles. They're, they're quite fascinating. Go to our, our Action Radio legal page um, and some of the other pages within the Action Radio group on Facebook. There's about 20 different groups. And that's how we put all this together. So I played a bunch of things. I'll play a couple more. Just to remind you that our, our website for our, our laws is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. If you want to contact me, if you want to be a sponsor of the show and you believe in what we're doing here to promote freedom, greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's how you get a hold of me there. Uh, you can donate at paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. Uh, you can get us on our Skype line. We have a live Skype line. We have live chat. Uh, we're here most days, 7 to 10 a.m. Um, Central time, but not always. It just depends on guests and things like that. And we got a wild rest of the week. Uh, Thursday and Friday shows are going to be unbelievable. Uh, so much so I can't give you the details right now. <laughs> Sorry. Let me play a couple things. We'll be out of here, and I'll see you tomorrow at uh, – actually, no, we're going to start a little bit later. I think we're starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow, and I'll explain why later. But we're starting 9 a.m. tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Talk to you then. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. 
The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.